Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. 2,000 years ago, his words came to pass. AD 70, Jerusalem surrounded by armies. The temple destroyed. Sacrifices ceased. The end of the age. So where are we at on the prophetic timeline of history? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, and that we have been made kings and priests to reign here on earth. The Revelation Red Pill, the kingdom of God is now. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Revelation Red Pill Wednesday. I'm one of your hosts. It's Michelle. Leah is literally on the floor in studio looking for a book. She's roughly in this general vicinity over there looking for something very specific. So how many of you all, you've been with us for 39 weeks. Love, love, love. I am so proud of you guys. This is so huge. Okay. Are we not live on Rumble? Hang on. We should be live on Rumble. Okay, um, this is 39 episodes. When we hit, I don't even know what we're going to do for episode 40, but it's going to be awesome. All right, thank you, Sherry. Um, 39 episodes. Leah and I felt like it would be helpful, um, especially going into the holiday seasons, for you to have maybe a, it's not really a refresher, but kind of. Because we throw all this stuff at you, we're gonna we're really gonna harken back to Revelation Red Pill, like episodes one through fifteen. Those kind of really nitty gritty, modern end times theory, you know, crushing, Kingdom of God is here now raising episodes. So when you're talking to your family members and they're going, I don't even know who you are anymore. Are we even part of the same religion? Or is your salvation intact when you're trying to tell them all this stuff and you're like, you're trying to convince them and you're just like, just please go watch this show, please. And they don't want to touch it. So what we're going to do, ah, so here. so tonight Got it. is is one of those grab your pencils and your notepads nights. Take yes. a, go, go and get them right now. Yeah. Okay. Go get your pencil and your notepad. Yeah. And we're going to give you some tips we're going to give you some scriptures. We're going to give you some examples. Yeah. In the discussing of why we are not waiting to be hoovered out of here. That's my word for vacuumed, sucked out of here. Yeah. Um, like in the, the rapture, just shoom, gone. And why we're not waiting for things to get worse and worse and worse. And why that war in Israel that just looks like the giant nose on Rudolph's face for end timers to go, see, 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 I told you, I told you we are here and the rapture is coming and I'm just going to stand here and wait to be sucked up. Am I being, have I been sucked up yet? They're like waiting in the middle of the night, like looking at their spouse, like, are they gone? I know I'm going to be gone first anyway. Okay. Why? Okay. Yeah. So get out your paper, get out your pens, uh, write things down. If you do things on a tablet, do that too. And I want, I'm going to keep reminding you guys uh, throughout the show, go ahead and put your questions. This is a question and answer show. If you are, if you've been dealing with, uh, family members, friends, people in church, pastors, even mm -hmm. go ahead and put your questions in the chat. And yes. I'm going to start when Michelle's ready. I'm ready. 
I have in my history. And I'll, oh, okay. I have I'm to redo my, because my whole, com you know what? My whole computer decided to do a restart. Yeah. Right before we went live. So I have to do one little quick change here. Oh my gosh. And now everything's weird. <gasps> it literally updated. I'm going to lose my mind. No, you'll be fine. So do you just want me to go to YouTube? Um, you can, or if you bring up tabs from other devices, you can bring them all up right now. Are those just updated just right now? Yep, they did. So the first <clears> question <throat> I'm going to ask you guys, what is, and, and, and be thinking about this and go ahead and put your answers. This is going to, this is an interactive show. Okay. Mm. Please be interactive. I would like your, um, you are, this is part of a class. So I'd like <laughs> your answers now. I'd like for you before Oops. I give you the answer. No, no, you don't. What is the gospel of the kingdom? That's good, Leah. Six. Okay. So I want you guys to, to, to put in the chat. Is this the first one I'm the, bringing up? Which no, one? I actually want you to bring up the short two-minute one that says last day's madness was Gary tomorrow. All right. Because on this one, one if you guys have been with us long enough, this one is going to start off and make you chuckle. And then it's going to remind you why we do what we do. Revolution. Now, uh, Gary DeMar is one of the top guys on debunking the end times madness. And he actually wrote a book called um, Last Day's Madness. He wrote it many oh, years ago. On, it's a great here. book. Um, I haven't read it. Go. Just kidding. Um, but it, I know I really haven't read it, but I know it's a great book because I know I've heard a lot of his references to it. And... Um, I suggest if, since I know I, I, I kind of have it downloaded inside of me, what's in the book. Cause I, he's referenced it and I've watched a lot of videos, but if you need a reference book, I'm going to give you, um, a list of ones that I have read and ones I recommend. So I'm recommending the last day's madness by Gary DeMar. Uh, a lot of people that I've read recommend this book. So, uh, let's play this clip here by, uh, Gary. And, and one day we're going to get him on God willing. I would love to get him on. We just have to, we have to read it. Revolution. Radio. Thank you for coming on, Gary. Um, let me just introduce you to your uh, oh, wait, Christian apologist, you public speaker. Sorry. Where's the one I want you to play? It's not all about say, 8070? Oh, here it is. It's the same title. I don't have it up yet. I am going to play some of that, by the way. We're going to play some of that. that, that um, we're going to play some of that video in a second. Wait, it didn't, it hasn't updated yet. Oh, because I, because you actually click on it. I need you to actually click on it so it goes well, in history. Already, it was in history. I already okay, watched well, it. Maybe you just got to scroll down. Hang on. Keep going. Keep Hang going. On. Keep going. There it is. Got it. Sorry. If you don't Same understand the, the prophecy that Jesus outlines in the Olivet Discourse and in those three, three chapters, actually four chapters, uh, that you're missing a big chunk of what the New Testament is really all about. The rapture shows Jesus coming from heaven, but he doesn't come all the way to the earth. The Bible says we're going to be caught up into the heavens to be with him, and then we're going to go back to heaven with him in the rapture. After the rapture, a period of great tribulation will take place on this earth for seven years. Next up on the prophetic calendar is the rapture. If you do not have a pre-tribulation rapture view of the scriptures, then I ask you this question, how in the world does the church get into heaven? How is the church seen in heaven in the book of Revelation? If it doesn't go up, it's got to go up. I can't with these people. This coming world leader <laughs> emerges on the scene. He's suave. He's debonair. 
He'll probably be on the cover of Time Magazine and GQ at the same time. Think the devil wears Prada. The Antichrist is going to rise as this worldwide peacemaker, and he will say like Hitler, today Europe, tomorrow the world. The king of the north, Russia, and the communist bloc is going to react to that. Not wanting the Antichrist to rule and will attack the Antichrist. It's amazing to me when I someone writes a book on the Antichrist and how they just breeze over these passages because it doesn't fit it doesn't fit the narrative. Uh, you can't get what many people believe is the Antichrist, what the Antichrist is going to be from these passages. The timing is wrong, the number is wrong, uh, the definition is wrong. It, you can't get the you can't get there from here. It, it's, it's not in the text. We're not looking here for a single person to be the Antichrist. There are many of them. It's a group of people who have some definitional meaning. You can define them by a certain thing, and that's certain. First John 2, 8. Children, it is the last hour. That was written 2,000 years ago. Okay, so just write down 1 John 2, 18. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a discussion on time. You know what? We're just going to have <laughs> Sherry, a I cannot listen to these people anymore. <laughs> and just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that it is the what? Last hour. Last hour. So if you have the last piece of cake on the plate, <laughs> it has been sitting there as a last piece on the table for 2,000 years. The thing is, those who deny that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. What you believe about the future could hurt you. Now, okay, you can make this big real quick. As you guys are writing, now remember, for everybody coming in now, I would like for everyone to, to answer this question for me. I for love yourself. question and answers. What is what the is gospel of the kingdom? Of what the is kingdom. the gospel of the kingdom? If you are to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom, which Jesus said that he was here to preach, the gospel of the kingdom, not just the gospel, it's abbreviated. You, you understand that end timers must abbreviate the gospel, yes. just to be the gospel. the gospel. It is, it is, what is the gospel of the kingdom? Thank you, Jeopardy. Okay. That's what the answer. Is? So we should come up with the Jeopardy question, right? Well, isn't that how that works? When you answer the question, the question is, what is the gospel of the kingdom? And the answer is, we uh, faith. No, no, the, that's not how Jeopardy works. Yeah, no, 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 no. The, you give the answer, and then you, I know. you answer with the question. I know, but I didn't give an answer yet. I know I'm telling you to give the answer. I'm not giving the answer, because we're going to wait for people to give their own answers. Okay. That's the whole point. Right. You give, give people a chance to write down their own answers. This is, this is an interactive show. I want to hear their answers. I want to hear what they've gotten out of what is the gospel of the kingdom. Well, for. I don't know if this is Sam answering the question, but this is really good. Jesus came to redeem man back from the curse, defeated death, and has given us authority to rule and reign until heaven invades earth. That is ding, 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 I, ding. I like that. Bringing the kingdom says on earth as it is in heaven. Ding, 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 ding. The gospel of the kingdom. Ding, ding, ding. You guys are doing a good job. All right.
Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 9, 35. Go ahead and write these down. And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, this is a... Matthew it thinks that this is important. Matthew 24. And this gospel, not just the gospel, but this gospel of the kingdom... I want you to write an under down, underline kingdom because what you're going to get when you're talking to your family members is just their definition of the gospel. And I want you to ask them, what is the gospel of the kingdom then? And what it'll do is it'll make them think differently because they believe that the gospel is salvation. Okay. But you don't see, hold on just a second. I'm going to keep going. Matthew 24, 14. You do that and, one already. And. I'm going to finish the okay. it. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. And Mark 1, 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Mark 1, 15. And saying, the time is what? Fulfilled. So I want you guys to write down Mark 1, 14, and 15. The Take it. Put it in your in really big. pocket. Fulfilled. And the what? Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So that's a, a way of saying the gospel of the kingdom. Do you understand? Yes. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is here. And believe the gospel. Believe this truth that we're talking about, which is the gospel of the kingdom. Believe the message. Believe the message. We're going to go to... Uh, the word gospel here. And the word gospel is evangelon, a reward for good tidings. Good tidings. I have good news. So the gospel is good news. Now, <laughs> somebody comes to you. Michelle, I have great news for you. I love great news. I have great news for you. I have great news for you. And you're going to say, tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. And then you say, I have good news for you. And you never answer, what is the good news? The good news that you're you're preaching is what? The kingdom of God is here. I want to show this to you guys here with um, the Blue Letter Bible on this. Yangulon is the actual word. No, Leah pronounced it wrong. Pronounced it wrong. You Gil. You on. It's the word we get evangelized I'm from. I'm just saying that that's the original word here. Okay. okay, so look at this. Under good tidings, A, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, soon to be set up, and subsequently also of Jesus the Messiah, the founder of this kingdom. After the death of Jesus, the turn comprises also the preaching of concerning Jesus Christ as having suffered death on the cross to procure eternal salvation for the men in the kingdom of God, but as restored to life and exalted to the right hand of God in heaven, thence to return in majesty to consummate the kingdom of God. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. Write down Luke 4, 18. You see, the gospel is the good news of the kingdom, 
And if you're preaching good news and gospel and the evangelizing the poor, what does that look like? Well, you're not going to be poor. Yeah. What does that mean if you're going to be healing the brokenhearted? They won't be broken. What does that mean? Let me explain something. Okay, so so this is this is what happens when you guys begin to talk to your family members and giving you these scriptures. You're going to be equipped. No, books are great. The book you want to be equipped with is the Bible. Okay? When you've got the Bible right in front of you, that is the most powerful weapon you can have. So you've got Mark. What do we say? Mark 1, 14 and 15? I believe we did. Um, yeah. So in the beginning uh, of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, no, it was, uh, yeah, 14 and 15. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Luke 4, 18. We've got Matthew 4, 23. Matthew 9, 37. Matthew 11, 5. Matthew 24, 14. Okay? The gospel of the kingdom. So what you're going to do with your family is you're going to begin to paint a picture of, of good news. And what you're actually going to be doing is preaching the gospel. You're going to give them some good news. Now, they may irk from it. They may twist from it. I got a message from someone who said that they were confused. Uh, their daughter is calling them a Calvinist and is saying that they aren't saved and that this message that whatever it is that she thinks that her mom has as a message, which there's really not a name for it. It's just called the gospel of the kingdom. People want to say, where, what are you? I'm a Christian. I'm believing the gospel of the kingdom. I'm relieved. There is no denomination. Let me explain something to you guys. What we've been teaching you guys, this, the, the kingdom message, the best way we can describe it is just the king, the gospel of the kingdom. Okay. That it's, it's the word of God. It's beginning. It's fulfilled eschatology. It is uh, glorious eschatology. If you want to use the word eschatology, which I, it, the study of the end in, in things. I'm not studying the time. I, I'm not studying the, the, the end times because end times and eschatology is for those who are looking towards the future. So no, I'm not an eschatologist. I'm not into eschatology. I don't, says that. I'm not going into the, to the future. Okay. What I'm, what I want to know, what I want to know is what is in my bank account, not what's going to be in my bank account for the future. Because what I'm trying to tell you is there, the, Jesus said that we behold, I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness or God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay. Though, I have everything I need. What, well, where is it? God is not a liar. He is not a man that he should lie. He says all these, Jesus said, listen, look at the, look at the uh, birds of the year. Look at the lilies of the valley. Look, they're, even Solomon isn't as beautiful as these flowers. Mm -hmm. The Gentiles toil and worry about what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink, what they're going to put on. But if you do what? Get saved? <laughs> no. If you do what? It, this is one of the most important scriptures that, that everybody um, skips over. Seek first what? The kingdom of heaven. His kingdom yeah. and what? His righteousness. Why would you do that, Michelle? Why would you seek his kingdom and what is this whole righteousness thing? You would seek his kingdom 
because in the finding of it, you will, you are a king and a priest and you rule and you reign and you bring that kingdom down to heaven and everything that you need, everything that you have ever wanted or desired or had need of is in the kingdom of God. What's the caveat there? You have to accept it and you have to lay your life down. No, what? Seek first his kingdom and his what? Righteousness. There's your caveat. Okay. So we just don't get all that we want. We, we have to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, his right living, because then seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all, all these, these things that the Gentile. So if you've got sin in your life, then your kingdom's not coming. <clears throat> and all these things. And, and people are wondering, why am I poor? Why am I this? Why am I that? Well, going back to seeking his kingdom, you've either got somebody in your life that's oppressing you and you need to manifest the kingdom in your life. Boom. Or you're in sin and you need to manifest his righteousness in your life. So in our nation, number one, we are not manifesting his righteousness. Come on. And we're not seeking his kingdom. We're not doing either. Which is why we have, which is why people are struggling. And we do have a lot of people who are living a very lavish lifestyle. And then they believe that God is providing for them, but he's not. And those are the rich. We'll get to those in a minute. Okay, so the gospel, that's that's our first our first uh, kind of gotcha when we're talking to family members gotcha. is ask them to describe the kingdom. Mm. Ask them what is the kingdom and what is it that Jesus came to preach? Because salvation is coming and the good news of the kingdom is coming. And what does that even look like? Okay, so it's um, an, gospel to the poor. Healing the brokenhearted, Luke 4, 18. Deliverance to the captives. Now, when we're doing a, uh, when we're doing end times, we're telling people they're getting ready to be captives. Yeah. So when you're telling people, hold on, because you're either going to be raptured out of here, somebody's going to be captive. And the answer is not through the salvation of Jesus Christ and his blood. You're waiting for another event to save you from captivity. And that's not the gospel of the kingdom. You've, you've now, you've, you've juxtaposed a theology upon a fulfilled theology, which we're supposed to be going around telling everybody exciting news. And the question you would then begin to ask your, your family members, when you're preaching in times, does it sound like the good news and, and freeing from captivity and healing brokenheartedness to you. No, 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 no. But it does afterwards. Recovery That's of what sight they would to say. the blind. That's what they would say. And set at liberty them that are bruised, them that are crushed, those who are oppressed. You're supposed to be going and, and telling everybody freedom, which is what this message of the kingdom, which is what we've been doing for 39 weeks, what uh, Kingdom uh, Roundtable has been doing, is to preach and unlock your mind into the kingdom. Luke 7, uh, 22. Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the dead hear, and the dead are raised. To the poor, the gospel is preached. Why would that mean why, the good news? So what he's saying there. Is all the things that you need are going to be taken care of. Yeah. 
So when Jesus was saying, he when Jesus gave his parable of um, take no thought, don't worry about what mm -hmm. you should eat or drink, that's that's him preaching the gospel to the poor. Right. It gives you peace. I'm going to be taken care of. Mm. That's the good news. I'm going to be taken care of. So any any message outside of I'm going to be taken care of by God. Yeah, that's good. Is not the gospel. It's not the kingdom, and it certainly isn't what Jesus came to preach. Now, is there a gospel of judgment? Absolutely. Is there still a gospel of judgment? Absolutely. Is that judgment for you? No. Is that judgment for your lifetime? Yes. That's the caveat where many people, they stick and stay on judgment. They're so angry. They're so frustrated at the entire world. They think the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And they're just waiting to be, for them, they're happy to see if God will do any of those good things. They don't really preach it. They kind of do. Some do. Some don't. It's I call it schizophrenic Christianity. God loves you. He wants you healed. He wants you taken care of. But the world's going to get worse and worse. And then the Antichrist is going to come. And he's going to be this Time Magazine sly person. And blah, 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 blah. And he's going to make everything so bad. And then we give up. And then it's... It is the, the, the end times madness is literally craziness. It is schizophrenic Christianity. It's confusion because you'll hear two different sermons, one right after another, one week and then the next week. And you'll go forward in the kingdom and then it'll just whiplash you back. Yeah. You don't understand what's even hitting you because... Nobody knows who the Antichrist that they think is going to be here is going to be. And so you're living in a Halloween type fear of end times all the time. And you're looking around. But you've got a stiff upper lip and you're really brave about it. And you think it's going to be, you know, a thrill. Mm. All right. So we could stick on that. And, and I'm going to give you some homework if you want to. It's, it's for your own. They want the homework. Uh, Blue Letter Bible is where we all need to hang. Okay, and put in the word gospel and put in the word kingdom and just hang there for a day. Okay, it'll just fire you up. And we've done a whole episode on gospel. And we've done a whole episode of kingdom, but I don't want to hang here too much because I could hang here all day. Right. So why is this really important? I was outside and I I was thinking about how this the this letter that I got, this woman's daughter had said that her salvation, she was worried about her salvation. Because she thought she might be a Calvinist, which was hilarious to me because I've been on Twitter and I've been seeing these Calvinist guys and these Armenian guys going back and forth. And quite frankly, I have no idea what either of them actually believe. Because when I Google Calvinist, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's one of those deep theological um, wormholes, not even a rabbit hole, that people go down to. And it's a straitjacket for uh, seeing the word of God through a lens rather than by the Holy Spirit. The same thing with Armenianisms. Uh, Armenians, uh, the best way I can describe it is Calvinists believe that everything is ordained by God and nothing we do is not ordained by God. And if you are going to be a believer, then he already told you that you're going to believe So you don't really have a choice to be a believer. So <laughs> you kind of do. And then Armenians are like, anybody can be saved and they fight back and forth. And it's really stupid. Um, and so there are some guys, I believe that Gary DeMar, Ken Gentry, um, R.C. Sproul call themselves Calvinists. I know that they they believe in it. They they have the 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 the, the church that um they they sway strongly to ecum I mean ecumenical ecumenical, ecumenical um 
the church creeds and things like that. So they stay, they try to, they try to be all churchy fied. It's their way of keeping the church together after the Protestants broke free, I guess, from the Catholic church. To me, that's not the issue that she's having with her daughter. Okay. And her daughter tends to lead he lean Hebrew roots. So I gave her some scriptures on that really to hammer those, uh, for her own sake, rather than the Calvinist, um, versus the Armenianism. Uh, and then I, I sent her down the path with, um, Bruce Gore, the apocalypse in, in space, space and time. time. And that is amazing teaching 10 week teaching where he goes from the beginning to the end of how people have viewed the end times since the beginning of Christianity. And you'll find that there have been many people who believe that they were living in the end times through history, that our founding fathers were what you would call post-millennialists. They believed that we were living in the thousand year reign and the thousand year reign was um, a figurative number. It all hinges on this one thousand years and that's only one time and it's in Revelation in the hardest book for anybody to decipher. And so you've got pre-millennialist, um, are you pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, and there's no, and there's pre-millennial and post-millennial, all-millennial. Some think the millennial is just a out there thing. So there's a lot of different views on on the millennials that people are believing the premillennials believe that Jesus is going to come back, set up a literal kingdom on the earth before the thousand year reign in the Bible. And you can write this down as a side note, a thousand years or a thousand, the number of thousand basically is used in, in a figurative way. So you have to let the Bible interpret the Bible. What about the thousand year reign? Well, does God owns a cattle on a thousand Hills? Does he not own the cattle on a thousand and one Hills? That when you have to allow the, the Bible to interpret the Bible, when it says that he is coming on the clouds, blood, fire, pillow and, pillar and smoke. Well, that is apocalyptic language for the destruction of a nation that's used oftentimes in the Old Testament. God is very descriptive, descriptive in how he is moving in the nations. Why would he be like that? Why would he say blood, fire, pillar and smoke and coming on the clouds? Because he's talking about the second heavens. He's talking about moving governments, not here on earth, but moving them up here. And then as it, it's, it's like he, it, that's where they get the Greek gods and the Roman gods from the clashes of lightning. And then it's, it's the gods fighting. And then it ha something happens on earth. That's the, the apocalyptic wording for a nation to change. Okay. So this is really important. Just to highlight, I don't know why we haven't talked about this more in Revelation Red Pill. And I apologize to you guys, because as we were entering into this ourselves, one of the greatest resources that we personally used was Bruce Gore's playlist, The Apocalypse in Space and Time. Bring it up. I did. I brought it up and I had put it in today's show under the resources at the, I mean, the bottom. I mean, show them. And I... Um, show them, show them, watch me, how I throw them, throw them. You are the funniest. Um... Bruce it's on YouTube, throw them, throw them. and it's it's just this is what your dishwasher looks like after there yet have we we haven't gotten the thing no we're gonna get the youtube prime because i can't do these commercials anymore um here on the right you will see the playlist it's like it's resource galore you will get lost you will binge watch these
Okay. Um, but he goes into the, the letters of the seven churches. If you want to know about Revelation and the book of Revelation, it's like, that's what I came here well, for. Well, just recently, we watched the apocalypse in, in, in space and time. And then he did this. He took a hiatus. And then he just just busts are, through the book of, of Revelation. The whole down book. here. Yeah. It's crazy Well, good. that's actually different. That's in a, um, a different playlist, I think. The book of Revelation that he has. Um, but I, he, yeah, but I want to go to the Apocalypse and say since time. I'm just saying it's, it's somewhere here in his, these are all his playlists. There it is. This is the Book of Revelation playlist that he has. Craziness. Um, so Bruce Gore is the man and you guys will absolutely love him. We have not highlighted I him enough. I want you to play a little bit of him while we're oh, here. Oh, sure, we can. Not this one. To back Apocalypse and say since time. Oh, okay. The one I was talking about. He's muted. Well, this store, this, uh, class had its germ in 1993 when my lovely wife and I, Candy, were on that boat called the Tritone in a little cruise of the Greek Isles. We had just visited Santorini. Some of you have, I'm sure, been there. Beautiful, stunning place. The next day we were going to be visiting Patmos. Not so beautiful, not so stunning. It was in the ancient world something like Alcatraz, a prison island. It's a little bigger, well, better, better populated, but same idea. I was standing on the deck of the boat that evening waiting for candy. We were going to go to dinner a little bit later, and I was just reflecting on the island of Patmos. By, this is 1993. By that time, I'd been teaching the Bible here and there, sometimes professionally, for about 20 years about 10 of those years here at First Press. And I have to say, if I'm perfectly honest with you, I was possessed at that point of some mixed feelings about going to Patmos. Because, to be even more honest with you, I was a little bit resentful of the book of Revelation. You know, it's, it was in my mind at that time kind of the outlier. You know what I mean in the Bible? The whole Bible sort of made sense. I mean, not that there weren't a lot of things to learn, a lot of things to study, a lot of mysteries to resolve, but it seemed like in the great scheme of things, most of it hung together except for Revelation. That one just left me mystified. What do you do with that book? You go through, it's just wild, crazy images, strange, apocalyptic visions of this and that. And I have, I'd read the book multiple times, never really felt like I was left anywhere, but in a lot of deep weeds. And then, of course, I'd grown up, as many of you have, through the late 60s, early 70s, and I'd been treated to Hal Lindsey and the late great planet Earth and all kinds of geopolitical interpretation, and for a time believed it and taught it. And now by 1993, I realized that Lindsey was fundamentally mistaken on most of the important things he tried to say in his great book. And so I didn't know what to do with that. I just resented it. I thought maybe Luther was right. We should have dropped the book from the canon. You know? Simplify things. But the church in its wisdom had determined not to do that. And so here I was on the deck of the boat. You can always see me there. <laughs> Puzzling. This is true. And a thought, I tell you, came through my mind while I was standing on the deck of that boat that evening. And the thought was this, the only way I'm ever going to figure that book out is to teach it. I'd never taught it. I'd read it. I'd always been afraid of it. I decided I was going to teach Revelation at First Presbyterian Church, not that fall, but a year from that coming fall. This was June when we were there, so the fall of 94. 
And then I thought to myself, maybe the best way to get my brain wrapped around this book would simply be to memorize it, start to finish. And I memorized the first verse of Revelation on the deck of that boat that evening in June of 1993. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Come on! That's the first verse. I probably turned that verse over in my head 150 times that evening. Next day we got to Patmos. Bigger than Alcatraz, but not much prettier. As I say, it was kind of a prison island in the ancient world. John, of course, you know, tells us in John chapter 1, he was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Christ. He was there, presumably, under the persecution launched by Nero against Christians. I'll talk more about the date of Revelation in just a moment. The island of Patmos surprised me for a lot of different reasons, one of which is that this island, which is under the dominance of the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, is proud of Revelation, and they'd never heard of Hal Lindsey. They had a rich heritage and joy in the wonderful imagery of the book. It fit very nicely in their whole sort of style of practice, which of course is much more given to art and icons and so on. And to them, Revelation fit nicely. They didn't worry too much about the details. They just let the great significance of its feel reach them, inspire worship in them. And the whole island is filled with various expressions of artwork celebrating the apocalypse. Here's a portrayal of John in the prison cave where presumably he was being held, visited by this angel who is now showing him these visions that are part of the apocalypse. And that began to change my whole view of it a little bit and realize that maybe I've been somewhat too provincial in appreciating the content of this book. So that's where it started. Indeed, the following fall, 1994, I did teach Revelation. I'm not sure, it was kind of wild and crazy for me at that time, I was still putting pieces together, but it did seem like it was a great moment in my own excursion. I, I don't know if any of you were there at the time, but it was a, a good moment and I've sort of uh, cherished that to this time. Well, let's talk about a little bit of the historical setting. You're familiar with some of this, or you may not be, but this is simply a little spade work, a little homework that we must do in fairness to the biblical discipline of hermeneutics. What was the setting? What was going on in the world at the time? I take the view that Revelation was written about the year 65. Not my private view. There's a whole body of scholars who take this view. There's only two views in town, really. One, that it was written in 65. One, that it was written in 95. 95 would put Revelation under a rather severe but brief persecution by a Roman Caesar named Omission. 95. Irenaeus, the second century church father, makes a somewhat ambiguous statement in his writings against heresies in which he implies that that's when Revelation was written. And that has become a view held by many based largely on Irenaeus' testimony. I want to consider Irenaeus next week because he is one of those commentators that we need to include in our survey. So I'm not going to say more about him now. At the same time, I do want to say that there are a very robust and significant number of scholars who take the earlier view, and I think with very good reason, based both on internal and external testimony. Many of you know the name Earl Palmer, longtime pastor of uh, University Press. Uh, he wrote a commentary on Revelation, makes a powerful case for this earlier date, as have many, many others. It, it's a persuasive argument to me. It's going to be my working assumption, so we'll just leave it at that. We're going to put Revelation under the reign of Nero and the persecution launched by him only the prior year. 
So that will at least give us a little bit of a, uh, an approach to the book. What are the primary concerns in Revelation? It's a book celebrating transition. It's a transition from Moses and the exodus commit, uh, that took place with Moses to a greater exodus and a greater Moses. You may recall chapter 14. A vast multitude is standing beside a great sea singing the song of Moses. The Moses song is the exodus song. Chapter 18, come out of her, my people, so you do not share in her plagues. That's an exodus motif. The whole book is filled with that sort of exodus idea. God's people escaping from a place where God's wrath is going to fall, but because they follow his instruction, they escape that wrath. The exodus motif is shot through the book of Revelation. It's a book of transition from an old Jerusalem to a new Jerusalem. You know the end of the book celebrates the new Jerusalem. By the nature of the case, it implies that there must be an old Jerusalem, you see. The old Jerusalem is called, however, the harlot city. Why? Because that old Jerusalem had committed treason against her covenant husband. It had crucified his own son. It had murdered the prophets. Jesus says it's impossible for a prophet to die except in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the city that had turned its back. We have no king but Caesar was the cry of the crowd when they stood there at the trial of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is a book that celebrates the transition from the old to the new. It celebrates a transition from the old cre uh, creation to the new creation. Behold, I make all things new, is the announcement of the voice from the throne in chapter 20. And that motif runs through the book again and again, a time of new creation. These are sub-themes. All right, footnote, pause button. I have homework for you. If you want to pass this class, <laughs> your homework is to read the book of Revelation straight through, start to finish, at least once this coming week. It'll take you about an hour. I suggest you do it two or three times. You'll find every time you do it that the book hangs together in an almost unbelievably coherent fashion in spite of the, the wonderfully colorful images. It's a tightly knit, tightly organized book. But sometimes you don't appreciate it unless you kind of swallow the whole thing whole. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that. I will give okay, you that class. suggestion again. I am passing along Bruce Gore's homework assignment to all of the rest of you to do. So we can continue to watch him. Uh, what he does in the rest of these episodes, so this is a, um, what's episode two? So this is going to be the Letters to the Seven Churches. Um, so he goes to do a historicist of, uh, uh, of Revelation, from, and then he does Jonathan Edwards and the Puritan post-millennialism. He does a lot of history, so just so you guys can understand where Bruce comes from, he, he's in the apocalypse, apocalypse in space and time. Primarily what he's doing is showing you what people have believed about mm -hmm. the book of Revelation through history. Okay. Yeah. So exactly. That's, so that's what this is. So you can kind of understand. He goes into John Nelson Darby and dispensationalist, the Seven Days Adventist. Um, so so many different things there. So it's not so much a study of the Book of Revelation. If you want that, you go back to the playlist where he has the Book of Revelation in there. Yeah. So dispensationalism in America. I'm gonna click on that one for real quick. Ohio State residents, if you have utility. Ohio State residents. Time we were talking about John Nelson Darby, and I'm going to not say more about his life, but I want to say just a few things, kind of a few little bullets about his thought, especially emphasizing those points where he brings, as I think most people would say who've studied this, unique ideas to the whole question of Christian eschatology. It's called dispensationalism because in Darby's view, history is divided into seven so-called dispensations. This is the first unique contribution. The idea is that in seven different eras in history, God has worked out salvation purposes in seven different ways. So again, you can write this down. 
ask them if they know where they get dispensationalism and where do they get the church age and what age are we in right now? Okay. They get that from John Nelson Darby and this was, he made it up in the 1800s dispensationalism and different dispensations and God dealing with different people in different dispensations is made up by John Darby. First of these is the era of innocence, the Garden of Eden, the first few chapters of Genesis. This is followed, he says, by conscience, after the fall, but before the flood. From the flood until the call of Abraham, what he calls civil government. This is followed by the patriarchal period, Genesis chapter 12 through Exodus 19, in which the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on, become the centerpiece of God's redemptive activity. With Moses, we have a new dispensation called law. It begins with the Ten Commandments, continues until the period of the church. The church is called the Age of Grace. We are living in the church age. It will continue to an indeterminate time in the future, at which point there will be what was called the rapture. The rapture removes the church from the world and gives birth to, then, finally, the kingdom. The kingdom is a millennial kingdom in which Christ is ruling in a political sort of way from Jerusalem over the peoples of the entire world. This is why this is so, this is why it's all bunk. This is why none of it's real. Because Jesus came to say the kingdom of God has come unto you. The kingdom of God is now. We're not waiting This is it. why we are not in the age of the church or the age of grace. Now, you can write this down and you can, you can tell, this is a point for you to remember. That end timers will kind of read through the Old Testament and they'll bring up scriptures that they like because they cheat. It's on a diet. You're on a diet, but you're cheating on the diet. They're constantly cheating. They're constantly bringing up scriptures from the Old Testament to use. And they won't tell you which ones you're allowed to use and which ones you're not allowed to use. Sure. Okay? But in essence, you're really not supposed to use most of the scriptures in the Old Testament because those are for when the kingdom actually comes. Those are for the either... It, it, hang on be careful how you're saying this because sometimes we talk so fast people can miss what you're saying is they say yeah all of that not we aren't saying that we use I'm all saying the scriptures to, yes in timers i want to clarify yeah. they're saying that um a lot of those scriptures are to be fulfilled just for the jews if you ask them to break it down which scriptures apply to me now and they will say this is what the end timers will say none the church you and me, grace world, is not, is not prophesied. Right. Because you can't find it. It's not prophesied in the Old Testament. The church is not prophesied in the Old Testament. What they're talking about, the only thing that's prophesied in the Old Testament is the coming of the kingdom and the setting up of the kingdom. And all of it is one cohesive moment in time. There, the Old Testament doesn't is not disjointed. It doesn't say some scriptures. So in Acts two, this is another scripture for you guys to write down, where it says uh, that the Holy Spirit fell, and Peter gets up and says, "This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, last days." Last days, I will pour out my spirit. Now, many people are looking for God to pour out his spirit. This is what is so strange to, 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 to you and I now that we have this in our bones. That if Peter is saying that they were in the last days, how can we be in the last days? Peter was saying that this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He wasn't saying it, it will happen again. He was saying this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. When Jesus came and fulfilled it, is there another Jesus? Is there going to be another Mary? Is there going to be another, is there going to be another salvation? Is there going to be another manger scene? Is there going to be another, another, another? No. 
And there's not going to be another outpouring of the Holy Spirit as in the prophet Joel. The outpouring is out now. <laughs> yeah, okay, somebody comes out of the closet, they're gay. You don't get to like, uh, but I, in 20 years, I'll come out again as gay. That's good. That's a very good comparison. I'm out again, and we're like, well, of course you're out. You've been out. We all know. What are you talking about? Well, I just thought I'd come out again. No, the Holy Spirit is here. Can you pray? Can you prophesy? Can you move in the Holy Spirit? Absolutely, you can now, and you can as soon as the Holy Spirit was poured out. Okay? Bruce Gord says, tells a story that he almost didn't go to college. He almost didn't do like anything in life because he read Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth and believed that in the 70s that he that Jesus is coming back in his lifetime and that was going to be Russia and it was going to be this and it was going to be that. And he, and he was just going to sit on his hands and why do anything if Jesus is going to come out back any second? So... Their other major argument, and you can you can write this down however you want, is if Christians have believed, some certain Christians have believed in the beginning of time, beginning of Christianity, that they were in. Oh my gosh! What does? Which one? This goes against the economy community standards. Yeah, I guess so. It can't. You have to go after. You have to. Um, doesn't have nudity or anything in it, so you have to appeal. They've been doing that lately. They did that to me personally. I wonder if I said Israel. Uh, no, Israel? that doesn't matter. Israel. Maybe you're not allowed to talk about Israel anymore. So. Did they take it down? The whole stream? Yes, on Facebook they did. Yeah, it looks like it. Oh my gosh. How to talk to your family about end times? Was taken off of Facebook. They've been getting really, we're getting it worse lately. And somebody could have just flagged it. That had to have happened. Yeah, it's gone. Wow. We just have to wait until it. We'll try to upload it separately. Let me cancel the Facebook so it stops trying to. Holy cow. Yeah, weird. Well, we're just going to go to the kingdom. God, I just lifted this message to you. We obviously were hitting the uh, satanic buttons pretty uh, hard tonight and i thank you father god that you're going to re, re, re uh reverse this decision i thank you father god that you're going to reach in to those uh making these uh decisions in facebook and to the computer algorithms and listen i just rebuke you right now state in the name of jesus i know that you think you're the prince of power of the air but the lord says all the earth is mine and the uh, uh you are his footstool and i thank you father god that the lord said to my lord sit down on my right hand until i make your enemies my footstool and i thank you father god that the, you can't stop this message from going out i thank you father god that you are going to reverse this end times madness and this must be one of the most important shows we've done how to talk to your family how to talk to your family about the end times and i pray father god that you begin to wake people up you bring them out of darkness and into the kingdom I thank you, Father God, that of all the shows we've done, that this is the only live show that I believe has ever been flagged. Um, and I just lift this up to you, and I pray right now that everybody listening and everybody watching and everybody who's going to watch this back is going to come out, and they're going to have the answers that they need to speak to their family and speak to their friends. And I thank you that this is a reverse decision. I thank you, Father God, this is, a, this is going to go out on all social media platforms. It's going to go out wherever you need it to go. And we are not going to be censored. The gospel is not going to be censored. The gospel is not going to be shut down. And we appeal to heaven. I thank you, Father God, that we have a whole team of angels, that we have a whole team of uh, heavenly lawyers who are going to make a decision 
that says this message is going out on Facebook, that you're going to share this with your family and friends, that this is a message that is holy and completely acceptable. And I thank you, Father God, that we have, you know, in the, in the past, we haven't pushed back on the spirit because we didn't know where to push back on. And we are pushing back on this. I claim this territory right now in yes, Jesus Christ. Right now, in, Jesus. right now in Jesus Christ, this message is going to go out on Facebook and it's going to go viral and people are going to take a hold of it. And it's going to go to the east and to the west and the north and the south. And everybody is going to wake up. And this end times madness is going to go back to the pit of hell where it came from because we are marching forward. We are victorious. We are in the kingdom now. The kingdom ages now. The gospel of the kingdom is that my enemies are under my feet. That God's enemies are under his feet. I don't need to censor my words. I don't need to censor what I'm saying because the gospel is the, is here right now. The good news is here right now. I live in America. We have freedom of religion. We have freedom of speech and the airways and the phone waves. I don't care what they are, but we where, wherever I need to speak the word of God, it is going to go out. And there is no message that can be censored right now in Jesus' name. And I claim that whether it's, whether it's a YouTube or whether it's a Facebook or whether it's a Twitter, wherever these messages are, wherever people are, I'm going to be able to preach the gospel and I am going to preach the gospel and these messages are going to go out because God is speaking to people's hearts and God is speaking to people's minds and doors are being opened and the windows of heaven are being poured out and the blessings and the fruit of the, of the gospel of this, 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 this end times, whatever you want to call it, harvest, this harvest that is happening in this time of this age, we are entering a new age. We are going to enter into a new age, but it's not going to be a different age. It is an age of the kingdom expanding more and more. As the gospel went west and the gospel is going east. And I thank you, Father God, that you are expanding the kingdom wherever we go. And that Facebook, you get a, a notice from Jesus that you are going to allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached on your platform in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for those of you that totally missed entirely what, what, what just happened, Facebook canceled our feed because of nudity or sexually inappropriate um, content just now so unless we got spammed in the comments i think that we probably got spammed in the comments because somebody can just flag you randomly for mm -hmm. that which is you know i have a problem with that right exactly it's you're guilty until proven innocent exactly especially on a live stream yeah oh my goodness all right so we were back with uh uh bruce gore i'm gonna move on for our rumble viewers here to a cool video that I've got here where Kirk Cameron or Gary DeMar is interviewing Kirk Cameron at um, Marshall Foster's memorial. And Kirk Cameron, who did the uh, End Times movies, mm -hmm. what were they called? The Left Behind series. The Left Behind series. Uh, I, I love here this little exchange between I've been Gary DeMar and Kirk Cameron on the expansion basically of the kingdom because uh, if you guys don't know this gary demar got into this uh because he actually wanted christians to get involved in politics and then they all were saying why jesus is coming back why even try memorial celebration of marshall foster and uh up here meeting some people i haven't seen for a great you great know, while I hear, I hear that the gary demar is here and and the, and the mock turtleneck uh but it completely was a game changer. Oh, anyway, and, I get to talk to him. Later and the, the person responsible for that really was Marshall, Marshall Foster. Foster. Marshall Foster. And so uh, you did tell a little bit the story about how you how you met Marshall and how he kind of discombobulated your your worldview in, a, in, in, in another way, and it led to really a transformation 
of the way that you thought about everything, and you you, you put you and Marshall encapsulated all that in the film Monumental. And, and to talk a little bit about what Monumental was all about. So. Let's see, when, when I met Marshall Foster, uh, you know, he's sort of half Viking, half a third Winston Churchill, a third William Wallace, and a third George Washington, or maybe Billy Graham. And he was telling me about a different breed of Christians uh, that lived hundreds of years ago uh, that weren't like a lot of these uh, milk toast pastors and, and preachers who, who wouldn't really talk about the victory of the kingdom of God on earth. They would talk about victory in heaven, but on earth it's all failure and that it's all collapsing and that the gospel is, is ultimately failing to do more than just get people to heaven. Uh, it doesn't have power to transform cultures and nations. He said, but that's, that's, that's a new way of looking at the scriptures. Let me tell you about King Alfred. Let me tell you about Patrick of Ireland. Let me tell you about the, uh, the pilgrims. And he took me to Plymouth, Massachusetts, where Plymouth Rock is, and then he pointed me a mile up a hill and said, there's a statue up there that was left for us, kind of like modern-day Gilgal stones, so that if we ever lost our way as a nation, that would point us back to prosperity, to liberty and justice that lasts. And uh, it's hidden in a forest of trees, and nobody knows it's there. You, you, want, you could see it from the harbor when it was originally put when up. When it was originally put there, it was put there so that you could say, grandkids, now that you've seen Plymouth Rock, let me tell you uh, about what God did here and, 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 and how we build a godly nation. Let's walk up to the Liberty Monument. And uh, now you can't see it because trees have surrounded it in a residential neighborhood. He took me there, and I started to cry. And then I got angry, thinking, where was this in my civics class? Where was this when I was learning about America? I never heard about Christians founding this place. I heard of that, that God, God was supposed to get out of government. And he explained this blueprint, this breakout of liberty, that said that the root of liberty was faith. And not just any faith, but faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and faith in God's Word, the Bible. And that begins to work its way through the heart, the home, all of culture, and produces liberty that must be protected and defended by individuals who have been transformed by the same process of faith, character, self-government under God's laws, and then educating yourself and your children. And if you'll do that, generationally, you will experience uh, lasting liberty internally and externally from the control of sin and tyrants who try to control you. And it was a game changer for me. And, and, and Marshall wasn't, you know, he wasn't a Pollyanna. I mean, he, saw, he, no. he, he knew what was going on around here, but he was probably one of the most optimistic, forward-thinking guys around who rooted everything in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his moral standards. Th that's right. You're exactly right. Because uh, Marshall wasn't just trying to make you feel good. Um, he wasn't just trying to score points with you. Uh, what he was doing was actually, I think, correctly understanding the victory of the gospel that is the message of Scripture. When Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, both in heaven and on earth, and he says, may your kingdom come and your will be done in, on earth as it is in heaven, well, what in the world does that mean if it doesn't mean that somehow we get to be conduits of, of heavenly influence to affect earth to make it more like heaven and uh and, and what have we got to yeah. lose by giving it our all uh we've got the, the the god of heaven who said he's going to be with us 
till the end of the age. Uh, and not only did he explain that that's the message of scripture, but he would point out how history proves that it's true because it's happened over and over and over again in cultures that were just lost causes that experienced revival and transformation, not just in individual hearts, um, but in entire uh, societies and nations. Marshall left behind quite a legacy. The number of people who have been influenced by Marshall beyond just you uh, I mean, with probably millions of people, and I think I'm, I'm confident about the future because of people like you, people like Marshall, Bill Federer, um, and uh, Ted Bear. And- yeah, so that interview is amazing. I don't know if Michelle wants to copy and paste that in there for you guys to listen to over and over again if you uh, want to. Well, the beauty of what that is, just so you guys can understand why we just played that. If you guys haven't seen the movie Monumental, you need to. It's monumentalmovie.com, I think, is the web address. Or just look look it up. You can buy it on Amazon. Um, you need to watch the film that, that Kirk Cameron did. We did an event in Plymouth, Massachusetts a year ago um, to, to take you guys there. We're planning on doing another one either this year or next year. Um, so, so you can plan on that. Kirk Cameron went from Left Behind series end times madness we're all going to get sucked out of here to a complete transformation and it is evidenced in that film of wait a minute it is our job to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth that's what the pilgrims sought to do and that's what we seek to do now kirk cameron hasn't come out as boldly as revelation red pill but whenever you listen to him speak i can guarantee you he 100 percent and based on his associates, the people that he surrounds himself by, they all are Revelation red pilled. Okay, whether it's Gary Demar, where you're certainly Gary Demar, um, Marshall Foster, Marshall Foster, who passed away, who who Kirk created the movie Monumental with, and then I also believe um, even Bill Federer, who we don't know that well, but we've we quote we've done all of his things on our show. Bill yeah. Federer even <laughs> takes this stance of, it's time for us. We have all power and authority. We should be making these changes because when you study, and here's the difference, when you are a historian, it is very difficult to be an end, end times madness person because mm-hmm. you see the greats who have gone before and what they were planning on doing. And you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, nowhere in the Bible does it ever tell us to give up. And they certainly didn't. Yeah. And you, when you learn their writings, you learn from their experiences that they did not take this idea of everything must get worse and worse and worse. And then Jesus comes back. That was nowhere in the belief system Mm -hmm. of anybody of the greats in our history. Yeah. Go ahead and bring up the rapture and the mark of the beast. I think about minute 12, I want you to start. In Um, the future. There's a lot of commercials. Oh, those are time markers. Okay. Yeah. This is a more recent one. So we can make that moral evaluation just in terms of what scripture says about you know, governmental leadership getting out of hand. Uh, so, you know, today with the, 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 the vaccines, uh, buying and selling, first of all, we'd have to come up with what, what is going on in Revelation chapter 13 about buying and selling? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you need a Bible prophecy to tell you that if a government comes in and says, you, you won't be able to buy or sell unless you do this sort of thing. Does that mean you have to have a Bible verse to tell you that? Mm. You should be able to figure that out oh, on your own in terms of what Scripture has to say and what reason tells you as well. Mm-hmm. If you live within a context of a, Christ, of a of a biblical worldview, 
you know, the, the idea of, of freedom and liberty and so forth. You don't have any particular Bible verse to tell you that that verse refers to that particular thing. Mm -hmm. Why don't you flesh out for a moment then? Let's just dig a little deeper on the mark of the beast and we'll look at and the rapture uh, more specifically. But since you mentioned Revelation 13, is, is that so most people believe Revelation was written around 90, 95, right? Uh, That's yeah. Mo yeah. Most people who believe that don't haven't work that out that's what they've been told right well uh, that's, and yeah that's the same thing with me and i was listening to some of your content and a couple different conferences you all did through the canon app several months ago um i was working on the house and i had a bunch of time so i was listening to a bunch of stuff and you did okay so this book here if you want if anybody ever tells you that revelation was written um after 8070 you read this book it's got a lot of details. This is by Ken Gentry. It's called Before Jerusalem Fell, Dating the Book of Revelation. And after you read this book, if you can get your family or friends to read this book, nobody, I don't care who they are, will ever be able to say that Revelation was written uh, after AD 70 or a late date, uh, called late date of, of under Domitian. It's absolutely impossible uh, for it to be that way. Uh, there's too many time markers, such as the great city is first mentioned in Revelation 11. Uh, there it very clearly speaks of Jerusalem, the home of the temple. Remember, Jerusalem, everything, go, the, the, the dating of Revelation really is around whether Jerusalem had fallen or whether it hadn't fallen and it fell in 8070. That's our time marker, okay? Um, so the great city is first mentioned in Revelation 11. There it very, very clearly is talking about Jerusalem. No author would be writing about the great city, Jerusalem, after it had been destroyed. Now, what uh, you heard earlier on the show, the reason for the late date is a very obscure sentence from Irenaeus. Who, it's not biblical, by the way. It's an extra biblical source of a, of, of a church father. And, and they've taken it to be scripture and to be, and, and, and he Fact. actually breaks that down. Right. And that's not what Irenaeus was saying himself at all, uh, that it was written during the time of Domitian. Uh, the place where Jesus was crucified, uh, 11.3, for her evil conduct, she should be forsaken as were Sodom and Egypt. This sets up the same metaphorical disdain for Israel and her identification with known enemies of God. Later, the great city is called Babylon, identifying her with the great Old Testament enemy that destroyed the first temple. Jerusalem has metastasized into the temple-destroying enemy. She caused her temple's destruction. A cruel irony arises in this reverse imagery in the Old Testament historical Babylon um, uh, burns down the temple. Now Israel herself becomes Babylon, causing the destruction of her own temple. Josephus records the tragic reality of AD 70. The Jews had uh, begun with their own hands to burn down the temple. That is a quote from Josephus. The fact that the harlot sits on the seven-headed beast, obviously representing Rome, does not, and that's why a lot of people say that the Roman Empire has to be rebirthed again, and then they, well, then America may be Rome, and this may, because it, the Revelation is so sure, we're so sure Revelation is actually about Rome, okay, then it has to be rebirthed again, the temple has to be rebuilt again, in order to redo everything all over again that's already been done. Okay, but rather alliance with Rome against Christ and Christianity by calling upon Roman authority, the Jews demand Christ's crucifixion and prompt the persecution of Christians. Um, so 
there's there's a this is a really great book. Uh, please go back to them because I think you'll 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 be very interested here with what they have to say about the um, buying and selling. Didn't say it. Nobody said it. I forget how many other speakers there were. But I was just thinking. I was like. I think Revelation was written before 70 yeah. AD, you know, and it's like uh, so Greg Bonson, you mentioned Greg Bonson, Greg Bonson talked about newspaper exegesis, okay. where people would use the newspaper as kind of a filter, a grid by which to interpret the Bible. So they would find something that took place in the news. And of course, it's hard to tell it's to today it's Internet exegesis. Yeah. People on the, on the Internet are, are talking, uh, saying all these things. And so what you need to do is let the, the, the Bible needs to speak with it for itself. And what you need to do is to compare scripture with scripture. And so let's just look at the book of Revelation, for example. Yes, the dating is important, uh, even though a late date wouldn't exclude uh, uh, its, its principial approach because an idealist doesn't need a particular time in which the book of Revelation was written because the, the book of Revelation is all about certain I ideas that are applicable in principle. Now, but all scriptures like that, just because a, pro a prophecy, prophecy has been fulfilled doesn't mean it doesn't have any application anymore. Right. Now, that's just, that's just ridiculous. So when so the early dating of the book of Revelation comes down to a couple of things. The, the, the book of Revelation begins with the very first verse talks about how these things are you know, soon to come to pass. Right. In, verse, in, in verse three of chapter one says the time is near. Now, what people do say, oh, yeah, but with, with, with God, time, time is nebulous. It doesn't it's, very, it's, it's not very specific. That's that's just nonsense. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if, if you and I, I've done this already and others can do it, too. Uh, look up every use of the, the the Greek words translated near and shortly and quickly and at hand in, in Scripture and see how they are used throughout the Bible. Uh, well, since we're dealing with Greeks, so in without throughout the New Testament. So you can't go to a, a passage in Revelation 1, 3 where it says the time is near and say there near means, well, it, it, it just means that whenever something is going to happen, it will happen. And if you go to other places in Scripture where that that word is used, you could never apply that interpretation to it. So mm -hmm. you can't have a hundred places where near means near in terms of time or place, and then in a couple of places because it deals with prophecy, it doesn't mean that. Mm -hmm. And they'll go to you know Second uh, Peter chapter three uh, verse I think it's verse eight or about you know with uh, with the Lord a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. So there, there you go right there. See, so you can take near and it can be a thousand years. That's not what it says. It's not right. the way you can you do this because which would mean anytime you see the word thousand or which a day you can make it say anything. Yeah, That's well, people do that with the beginning of too. They'll they'll trash Genesis when they do that all the time. Oh, yes, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, maybe it's billions of years, and you're like, uh, no, but okay. Uh, anyway, uh, but you know, but the number thousand is a symbolic number, but near is not a symbolic number. So right. let's. I'm going to just pause right there. This is a, another good point when you're taking your notes. Okay. I, I'm we're going to assume because this is, you know, not a given. You're going to assume the people that you're talking to do believe in creation as a literal seven day creation. OK, if you're dealing with other people, then you're really not talking to very convicted Christians. <laughs> you're just talking to just people. We're talking about people who are convicted Christians. They believe in a seven day creation. They would argue against people that do not believe in a seven day creation because a day is a day is a day is a day. Okay. And of course God meant a day in a 24 hour period. They may give you a little leeway, but it's somewhat within this short period of time. It's not millions of years. We're not believing in evolution. And yet those same exact people want to apply that same theory and concept to this word near soon and all of that and so that's another way you can discuss like well why do you think that that near or soon could be two thousand years how do you know 
That's what, and that's what those people are saying. That's what the end timers have to say. That's what they have Every to say. Every single one of them but has then, to say but that. But then they would also have to concede to evolutionists. Well, they could be. A day could be a, a thousand years. It could be. You know, it could be a billion years, whatever. Mm -hmm. So then you're like, now, now we're not at any kind of premise. The only difference is what Gary DeMar just quoted there is God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Does that mean that he owns the cattle on a thousand, doesn't own a, the cattle on a thousand and one hills? No, it means he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's a it's a figurative number. So, but but we're applying. But near is not a figurative number. And near is never a figurative phrase in the Bible, and, and that's the difference. And you're letting the Bible interpret the Bible exactly. And we have cases in the Bible where thousand is a symbolic number. One day with the uh, one day with uh, with the Lord is better. One day in the court of the Lord is better than a thousand, thousand days else. anywhere else. Yeah. Oh, so if I have a one thousand and one days, that's better than one <laughs> yeah. day in the court of the Lord. Or God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, maybe there are more than a thousand hills, so God doesn't own those cattle. So the number one thousand is a symbolic number. How do we know that? It's used in the Bible that way. But exactly. near and shortly and quickly in this generation, or Jesus says in, in Matthew twenty four thirty four, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Those things are not used symbolically. Thank you. They are used in what someone might say is literally. So the events described in the book of Revelation are said to be near. So and, and then. John says that he is a, a fellow partner in the tribulation. So this tribulation was going on during John's day. And he says he's a fellow partaker in it. Hmm. So that gives you some indication wow, of what's yeah. going on. Then you have uh, seven individual churches that were in existence at that particular period of time. And, and see, again, to get away, get around this, they say, oh, but those seven churches represent seven ages. Right. And we're in the Laodicean age. But again, you're importing something into the text that isn't there. Yeah. Jesus is is Jesus is bringing uh, a, a discerning uh, potential judgment upon these churches if they don't get their act together. He's not bringing it on a particular ages. He's bringing it to those particular churches that were in existence at that particular time. Mm -hmm. And we we know and we know that this is that particular period of time because in Revelation two nine and three nine he talks about the synagogue of Satan, which were were probably apostate Jews who opposed opposed Jesus. They are, the, they are the biblical antichrists, mm -hmm. those who deny that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, uh, 2 John chapter 7. We know that there were many antichrists in John's day, 1 uh, John chapter 2, verse 18. And by this, and he says, by this, the fact that these many antichrists are here, we know that it's the last hour, mm, which yeah. means that it was this generation that Jesus had predicted was going to pass away before their generation passed away in Matthew 24, 34. It was coming to the end point of this. So that means 1 John, 2 John, 3 uh, John. Uh, the, were written all before the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, which is, in fact, that judgment. Then you get to chapter 11 in Revelation, and the, the, the temple is still standing. Remember, John is taken up in a vision in chapter 4, mm -hmm. so he's seeing this kind of at, at the, you know, the 30,000-foot level, and he's looking down, and he's, this, the temple is still, is, 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 is still there. Well, we know that was destroyed in AD 70. And there are other time markers. I won't go through all of these. Yeah. Um, the, the, the sixth king was alive when the book of Revelation was written. Uh, uh, Ken Gentry deals with this in his book before Jerusalem. Yeah. Now, now let's get to the conditions of, of in the book of Revelation. In chapter six, uh, yeah, chapter six of Revelation, we're told that a third of the stars, I think it's a third of the stars, or the stars from heaven, are yeah. cast down to earth. Okay, so that means in the sixth chapter, the stars are thrown down to earth, and in the twelfth chapter, the dragon, with the sweep of his tail, throws down a third of the stars to earth. 
So by the time you get to chapter 13, if you're going to take the Bible literally at this point, the earth is destroyed. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have an electronic system that's, that's going to, you know, that, no, you know no, barcodes no, 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 and not, other no. types of way of t- keeping track of This is really key because the end timers will say, and this you can ask them, do you take the book of Revelation to be literal or figurative? Because all these things are literal are, 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 that you think you're saying a lot of people truly believe that a third of the stars are going to be thrown down. The problem is, is that the, the third of the stars were thrown down before the before he, you get this whole mark of the beast thing. That's so really how are you yeah. going to do? How do you how do you how do you have all your technology with a third of the stars in the sky thrown down? And the Earth is utter. And imagine a third of the stars. Imagine one star <laughs> thrown into the Earth. You guys, this is figurative. People, wait a minute. The earth just got destroyed in chapters 6 and 12. How in the world do you get to chapter 13 and you have this highly sophisticated uh, uh, s- system out there? It, it makes no sense. Yeah. So what we have to do is find the hermeneutical model here. The hermeneutical model is that scripture interpret scripture. We know in Revelation 13 there are two beasts. There is a sea beast and a land beast. The sea beast, now beasts in scripture typically describe governments and governments that are tyrannies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and so in Revelation chapter thirteen, you find beasts, but in Revelation fourteen, you find the lamb. And by the way, the lamb has a mark too. You're mm-hmm. marked with 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 the lamb. So whatever the type of mark this is, it has to be also attributed to the lamb. So this is something that, that write this down. Okay. So we just these are these are main points that you can argue. Number one, uh, you know, I'm not done yet. I will okay. come back. We'll come back. Okay. So chapter six and twelve. The earth destroys, gets destroyed in chapter 6 and 12. Then you've got the beast. And you've got these two beasts, okay? Beasts always represent governments. These are, this is a representative, figurative language being used. And why is it figurative? Because John is writing to seven literal churches that are, this is going to go around to all the churches. And the beast is Nero and it is Rome. And he's got to write in encrypted language, just like we have to do on Facebook, just like we say the jab. He is He's using this figurative language. Now, he skipped over one thing you may not understand. He said the sixth king is still alive, okay? It's, the Revelation mentions 10 kings. Five uh, five are here. I think it's one still is, five are gone. One one still, one one remains, but he'll only remain for a little while, okay? Because guess what? I, I'm the Jeopardy person. Yes, I've read Revelation many times, and I, I get, my, my memory goes, Arr! okay, remember that one. Yes, I remember. I can, I wish I could quote it just like Bruce Gore, but I cannot. Uh, but he says, and he's talking about the different uh, uh, Roman uh, Caesars throughout throughout history that will be. Um, and so he says, the, the five five are gone. One now is, but he won't be here for very long. And uh, Bruce or uh, Ken Gentry uh, breaks that down. There was a quick quick uh, turnover to uh, boom 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 within just a matter of of months. And um, so, yeah, and then the next part is, this is very key, write this down, this is be very good for your discussions with anybody, if you're wanting to do Revelation Red Pill with them, um, is that the mark of the beast on the head and the, uh, on the forehead and on the palm of the hand is contrasted, and maybe we can do that, uh, I just want to bring that scripture up so that you know, um, the mark of the lamb in Revelation, because I don't think we really, we don't really, uh, 
we don't discuss that very much. That is uh, Revelation 14. I think we're back. Yes, mom. We, we're, we're, I think we're back. I, we will check here. No, I, I appreciate it. We're, think gonna, we're back. Or I, should I keep talking? Well, talk? talk like we're back. Let's okay, guys, so I'm going to talk like we're back. Uh, we're not sure exactly why the computer keeps crashing. Um, so we are after Christmas. Right, we're we're gonna we're gonna look into that um, because that's it requires either a new computer or a new uh, system. And it's we not, do know it that Rumble, Rumble has been attacked uh, all it week. It could be, but um, there is a lot going my, on internet-wise. I don't think that whatever's going on with Rumble causes my entire computer to shut down. Oh, your computer shut down. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that we're being kicked off. It's just the entire computer is just crashing. But Rumble has actually been under major attack because the January 6th um, videos, January 6th has a uh, committee has a um, Rumble channel and they're uploading uh, videos every day, all day. Thank so. you guys for sticking and waiting. I love you all. All right, so back to uh, the mark of the lamb. So the mark of the beast and the mark of the lamb are going to be equal and opposites of something. So then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the lamb with him, 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Written on their foreheads. The mark of the lamb... The mark of the lamb. Okay, now you can continue on with the um, Gary DeMar interview if you... Well, there's your scripture there. Would mind... Would Six. mind. Thank you. There you go. And uh, so anyway, so... Yeah. I, no, I mean, you can do anything. I mean, it's like statistics. You can prove anything you want with, with numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I did this. Really In fact, I, I, I wrote the... I, I ought to revive this article. ...head or something, or I forgot where we were. Yeah. But... It's biblical. It's, you know, yeah. I've stuck. I haven't, I haven't quoted anybody. I haven't looked at any. Second time he goes into the temple. Now, we know in Revelation 13, there are two beasts. Okay. There is a sea beast and a land beast. Sea beast. Now, beasts in scripture typically describe governments and governments that are tyrannies. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and so in Revelation chapter 13, you find beasts. But in Revelation 14, you find the lamb. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the lamb has a mark too. You're mm -hmm. marked with, with, with the lamb. So whatever the type of mark this is, it has to be also attributed to the lamb. Hmm. And so if the mark of the beast is, is somehow some vaccination that you're going to take or some barcode or some, uh, uh, some sort of chip that's embedded into you, well, then you got to say the same thing about the, the, the mark of the lamb in chapter 14, which, make, hmm. again, makes no sense. So let's stick to what Scripture says. So let's yeah. look at buying and selling. Where in scripture does, where else in scripture is buying and selling mentioned? Now, this is, it might be a good you know, trivia a, a question. A question. Not. Where else in the Bible does it say about buying and selling? And what is the buying and selling attributed to? Well, remember in, in Matthew chapter 21. Now, Matthew 21, chapters 21, 22, 23, and 24, they're all a lead up to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24 wow. about the destruction of Jerusalem. It's mm. all a lead up. When you get to chapter 21, you find you know, Jesus, the, the Mount of Olives is mentioned there, and Jesus comes in on a donkey and so forth. Mm -hmm. So Jesus goes into the temple, and he, he goes into the temple, and this is the second time he goes into the temple. Now, the, the Old Testament talks about leprosy, leprosy of a house. And how do you determine whether or not le there's leprosy of a house? A priest makes an evaluation of the house. 
and he inspects it two times. Hmm. And if the leprosy is still there on the second time, what do you do to the house? You tear it down, completely tear it down. So if you go back to John chapter, John's gospel, Jesus goes to the temple the first time. When you get to Matthew chapter 21, Jesus goes to the temple a second time and evaluates it. And what were they doing in the temple? Hmm. They were buying and selling. So buying and telling is linked to worship. Yeah. It's linked to the temple. And in order for you to get into the temple, you had to go through these money changers and they gave you access. So you get to Revelation chapter three and buying and selling there is, is identified with worship. It's not dealing with commerce in the usual sense. It's dealing with the issue of worship because the whole book of Revelation is about worship. Mm. It's all about worship. Who are you going to worship? Who's in charge? Who's, who are you going to worship? It was the same thing in the gospel. is isn't anything different. So I think Revelation 13, you, what you see here is Rome, uh, the, the sea beast and, and, and Israel, the land beast, and the leadership of those two going up against the, 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 the church. This is kind of the end point of what's going to happen lead up to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Now, re, re, remember that when Jesus was crucified, the, 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 the leadership, the Jewish leadership, uh, cast a curse upon themselves. Mm, let, this yeah, be, right. let this be upon us and our children right. for doing this. See, this makes much more, much more sense. It makes better sense than trying to fit this into a modern-day you know, technological system. Mm -hmm. If you stick with what Scripture has to say about these issues, this makes, it makes much more sense. It, it's, look, it's, it's not as jazzy, um, <laughs> right. but it's biblical. It's, you know, yeah. I've stuck, I, haven't, I haven't quoted anybody. I haven't looked at any newspaper. All I've done is I've gone to Scripture and let Scripture determine for me what those phrases mean. That's really good. <clears throat> So and let's trying to fit it in with that kind of you're trying to find puzzles. Where else does the Bible say anything about buying and selling in the marketplace, in the temple marketplace right before you're going into? And Jesus is saying, why are you making my house a house of, of uh, thieves, uh, uh, thieves? OK, and so this is if you're the mark of the beast, the mark of the lamb um, to in, in my opinion, the mark of the beast is uh, you won't be able to be a part of um the the inner circle of uh the the religious circle without this mark of the beast with that context mm -hmm. what we want to do we want a, a, a kind of a gee whiz bang up end time prophetic system we can get our people all worked up that this this is all evidence that the rapture the rapture of the church is right around the corner right and that's you know it's to me it, it makes a mockery of the bible yeah no i mean it really doesn't i think it's more and more recently, especially, but just I think probably my whole Christian life, the last decade or so, I just so often people, whether it's a cult, that just are like, yeah, this guy said he's Jesus, so I'm going to go with him. And you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Have you read your Bible lately? Like, you know, or just believing just the most random and off the cuff weird thing. Like, yeah, I guess we can do this in church. It's like, did you even cite any scripture of like why we're now doing this and not that? You know, like people just don't know their Bibles at all. I mean, and I would be one of them. I mean, I, I, every time I read, I'm just like, man, I need to read this more. And it's just, it, the, if you have the attitude of, I'm good. I've read the Bible. That's the wrong attitude to have. I mean, I've heard you say it and you just said it now, like take what's, what is being familiar with the culture of who's writing. And then you need to, like you just said, let the Bible interpret the Bible. It's so yeah. quote unquote, yeah, uh, look, so profound, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's so thing, basic, the, right? Yeah. The thing is the Bible was written to a particular group of people at a particular period of time. It doesn't mean it doesn't have any application to us today, Yeah. but it's, it's, it's a story that's being told about that time. I, I was just today, my, my, uh, Eric Rauke and I do podcasts together and, mm. He showed me a video of a woman, I guess she was on some Christian conference, and she was talking about monster 
energy drinks. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you've ever seen a monster. I'm going to skip here. Um, I think she goes past here. There's a couple more good points here. Um, Hang on. I've just picked it up. You see the three squares. Mm, And then you see a white square and a black square in there. And there are three of them. And each one of those represents the six. And so if I turn it this way, I turn it this way. uh Uh-oh, six, six, six. And uh, anyway, so yeah. Matt, okay, we can stop that. What there. he was doing is he was joking. That's the, yeah. that's his way of making fun of people. That that's the way that they interpret the Book of Revelation through things like that. So let me go back a little bit to the buying and selling because um, Jesus told the church of Laodicea, "I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may become rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed." I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. There is no market available to make such a purchase. Purchasing a commodity like oil for lamps to greet the bridegroom is not about economics, but about worship. Uh, In the same way, buying gold refined by fire is symbolic and is also related to worship. It is reasonable, therefore, to assume that the reference to buying and selling in Revelation 13, 17 is also symbolic and not part of an end-time economic system or even one of the first century. Similar language is found in the Old Testament. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your wages for that which does not satisfy? Listen to me, and eat which is good. That's in Isaiah 55. Um, Temple leaders control buying and selling to regulate the access to the temple. It's why Jesus cleanses the temple twice as required in Leviticus 14. This is established in Revelation um, uh, 3.18. When those who refuse the mark of the beast are not allowed to buy and sell, it means that they are expelled from the synagogue and the temple. The merchants of the land in Revelation 18 are those who worshipped at the temple and the synagogue. Jesus foretold that this would happen. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you will think he is offering Mm. service to God. The hour is now coming. The hour is now coming where everyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. And everybody else is like, that's going to be 2,000 years from now and it's not going to be for those people. But those people were killed and they killed by people who thought they were in the service of God. Now, also worth writing down just, and I know you all know this, but we're going to write it down again. Okay. When you're going to talk to people about these types of things. If I write you a letter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write you a letter. Mm-hmm. It would make me a liar. Mm-hmm. If the what I said in the letter that I was telling you applied to you did not apply to you at all. Mm-hmm. And only applied to people 2,000 years in the future. How mean. How rude. How rude. Why are you writing me a letter? It's not even to me. John doesn't get to do that. And he didn't. Now, Michelle, but no. It did apply to them in some ways. How? Name one. Name one it applied to them. But no, Michelle, it's going to apply to us again. Well, show me your proof of that. Show me your proof where the letter that was written to them will literally... Type in shadow, Michelle. 
We have to type in shadow. But where's your proof of that? And, and here's the thing. Here's the issue with the type in shadow of this specifically. The prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament were literal prophecies of something that literally happened that we are about to celebrate in 12 days. Okay? The prophecies of the Old Testament about Jesus and the coming Messiah are not types and shadows of a second Messiah that's going to come again. Likewise, the prophecy written in the book of Revelation was something that was to be fulfilled once and to be fulfilled one time only. I will say this though, it is the revelation or the unveiling of Jesus. And so on the broad sense, we do see that it cycles through as the kingdom of heaven comes down from heaven and, and invades earth. We see a cyclical pattern of revelation, but the actual holistic version of it has happened. So exactly. just like Jesus and the prophecies about him were not types and shadows, neither is the continual prophecy of him and his coming and the unveiling of himself is not a type and shadow. It's something like Leah said, when you come out of the closet, you come out once. You don't get, it's not like I'm you got a, su a surprise birthday party and you go, surprise, Hello. and then the person walks, right. hey, go back out to your car and let's do it again. <laughs> Keep in mind that the beast coming out of the earth is involved in these events. The land beast is most certainly associated with first century Israel, especially the priests who controlled access to the temple, which was f finished during Nero's reign in AD 64. Early in the church's history, the disciples went to the temple to preach the gospel. At first, they were welcomed. Acts chapter 2, 46. Peter and John frequented the temple during the hour of prayer. Jewish Christians continued to use the temple, even participating in some rituals. After the temple officials learned that those Jews were preaching that Jesus was the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away sin of the world, Paul was dragged out of the temple and immediately the doors were shut. Mm. Acts 21, 26 through 30. During Jesus' ministry, the temple officials were selling and worshipers were buying access to the temple. You got to bring something, baby. During God's house, turning God's house into a robber's den, only the Jews who aligned themselves with the priests, i.e. had the mark of the beast, the sacrificial system, and the temple buildings could enter the temple for worship. To take the mark of the beast meant a person. All right. Here's what's going to happen. Over I'm not going to touch anything. We're back. Okay. <laughs> We're back. We got the mark of the beast. No, I'm just kidding. That's what, uh, that's what, that's what, we, that's what the devil would like us to believe. And, and that's, that's essence of why we're doing this show is because the devil wants you to believe that he has power. The devil wants you to believe that he can control things. Um, the, uh, to take the mark of the beast meant a person denied that Jesus was the Messiah, the true temple of God, the only sufficient sacrifice, Hebrews chapter 9. Of course, Christian Jews avoided the mark of the beast and showed their true allegiance to Jesus, having his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads, Revelation 14.1. They demonstrated that these symbolic names on their foreheads through their public professions of faith and allegiance to Jesus. Those who carried the mark of the beast professed that they had chosen Caesar over Christ. 
And then we remember when they were, uh, when the Jews were asked by uh, Pontius Pilate who they wanted for to, to release, give us Barabbas, they said, and we have no king but who? Caesar. Guys, your mouth is important. What you say will happen. And then what else did they say? His blood be upon us and who? Our children. What was 8070? Their children. The result in a generation that the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus had to be put on somebody. Mm. Those Jews that chose Barabbas over Jesus said, we have no king but Caesar. His blood be upon us and our children. So when Jesus and John and Peter are all saying it's going to happen soon, hold on to your butts. It's happening soon. It's coming quickly. Here, it's it's the time is now. The time is near. Well, the switch is happening soon. Okay? You know, I think that we have a sort of narcissistic view of life where every generation Everything. thinks that they are Everything the generation that's the most important you, generation. You. you know, nobody really... It's 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 very interesting... Uh, You're so vain. ...way to view. You Everything want to be the so apex of all things that have ever been. You're so vain. Instead of our founding fathers thought futuristically. You probably they, think they thought um, generationally. They thought about their kids. You plant trees for the next generation. We and so what it we takes 50 years to get a black walnut. So what we have right now is we have a church that has become microwave narcissistic. Give me now, give me now. Give We're me, the narcissistic church. We down. don't want another generation. Right. right. We don't want anybody after us. We want to be the, the, the be all and the ends all. We don't want to have to plan for a future generation. We don't because it makes you lazy. Mm -hmm. It makes you selfish, self-absorbed, mm -hmm. self-important. Mm -hmm. So modern end timers are all of those things. You got to cast it off of them like the devil. Yep. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. When commanded not to speak any man in his name, Peter and John responded, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you or rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. Hmm. The proclamation that Jesus is Lord and that there is an, another King Jesus, this was a religious and a political affront to those in power throughout the Roman Empire. Such proclamations were, quote, acts contrary to Caesar and against the whole, this holy place, i.e. this temple and this law. These passages fit together nicely uh, since true redemption comes not from Rome or earthly Jerusalem, but where the Lamb was standing, that is on Mount Zion. The writer of Hebrews describes Mount uh, Zion's location. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the myriads of angels, Hebrews 12, 22. Now we go to Revelation and we're waiting to go to New Jerusalem. But you've been there, and you're there. Hello, write it down. Hebrews 12, 22, for your scripture references for Christmas discussions. For you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. You're here, you're there now, the kingdom of God is now. They don't know what they don't know. Most people don't know they're dispensationalists. They have no idea what that word means. They don't know about the church age. They have no idea what it means. And that's why you can ask them, and you, what, what do you believe that? What do you believe about, about Revelation? What do you believe? 
about the kingdom of God. Do you believe Jesus must come and set up a true literal kingdom? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Well, then why do you keep trying to make it up this world then? So a couple other things. Um, I'm going to finish my sentence. Go ahead. Uh, my sentence. Sentence. I'm sorry. The, the, the question is that the, the argument would go like this. Okay. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was of this world, then I would be reigning and, and I would be setting up my disciples and their as governors and things like this. Well, then why do you believe you Christian nationalist, Satanist, Zionist, you know, anti-Zionist, uh, white national crazy person? That's what they'll call you often. Well, I just believe that Jesus prayed a prayer and he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. And he set up his kingdom, boom, on earth. And he then, my Lord said to my Lord, God said to Jesus, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then Jesus is ruling and reigning, which I'm telling you, this is what you don't understand. He, he spoiled principalities and powers. Sin comes in. Sin rules. Sin reigns in mortal bodies and God cocoons a special group of people and says if you keep these laws and you keep these then you can keep your soul and maybe for the last day in the resurrection you might go to heaven if you do all these things and you're waiting for the resurrection these special people and then there's all these prophecies that this special bubble of these special people is actually going to include the whole world you see, this special people, this is God's working right here. Uh, uh, right here. These are the Jews. These are the Israelites. These are the Hebrews right here. Okay. The rest of the world is under whose power? Satan's power. Okay. Sin. Because why? Because Adam gave his authority to the devil. The devil came in and said, don't you want to know? Don't you want to eat? Don't you want to have the knowledge of good and evil? Boom. Sin comes in. Sin is reigning in your mortal body. Okay. Until then, you had to do the sacrifice. You had to do the rituals. You had to do the purification. You had to do everything just to hope that you were staying right with God. And then the, the, and Daniel prophesied the end of all that. The end of the reign of the kings. And the setting up of an internal kingdom that is going to start as a mustard seed and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And so Jesus comes, the disciples come, and that mustard seed's planted, that tree grows. The little leaven, it leavens the whole lump, it fills the whole world. Imagine, have you ever seen yeast grow? Have you ever seen yeast grow in a container that's too small for it? Yeah. Boom! Okay? Wow, Leah. That is what happens with the gospel of the kingdom as, it, as that little yeast goes boom! And through the whole world, okay? And so you're now in Mount Zion. His kingdom has come. So when people ask you, well, are you just some sort of Christian nationalist? Are you trying to set up God's uh, uh, Christianity on the earth? No, not in the way that you think. I am praying, and you should be praying, because Jesus taught us how to pray, that his kingdom would fill the earth. And as he did, then it says that, when the righteous are in power, the people rejoice. And when the wicked are in power, the people mourn. When a nation serves God, God gives them good leaders. And so what we are supposed to be doing is demanding justice, demanding that people do the right thing so that we can be blessed by God. It's like, hey, mom and dad said that if we went to bed at 10, tomorrow we're going to, we're going to Disneyland. But if we don't go to bed and we both have to go to bed, we're not going. Okay? And so it's your fault.
Oh my gosh, Leah. No, I'm telling you, we've got to begin to tell everybody around us, listen, God can't bless us while we're in sin. I'm going to be okay. God's going to take care of me and God's going to take care of you, but ain't going to take care of everybody else. Okay? Because you've got to be in line with God. If you want national blessings, you have to have national righteousness. Go ahead. That's it. I don't have anything else. Okay. I remember, I had something. It's gone now. It's way gone in the ether. It'll come back. Revelation 13 and 14 contrasts two ways of salvation. Access to the temple through the mark, name, or number of the beast. Revelation 13, 6 through, 16 through 17. Or through the name of the land, ha, ne, lamb having his name and the name of uh, his father written on their forehead. Just looking it up for the, for the heck of it. Hey. Hey. <laughs> we have reached the end of all things. <laughs> Guys. Um, I can't even get Google to come up. So we may be live streaming and I can't get it to come up. So I don't know. I don't have to check on my phone. Let's see. I think we are live streaming. It says, okay. So Chris says back live. Let me. Okay. I just can't pull up Google. So I can only go by my phone. I have no idea. It says the XSplit's using a tremendous amount of CPU, and we have to figure that out. So We're, apologies I'm going to switch softwares. I will, work, I will be working for 12 hours tomorrow if it takes it so that Friday's show can be done properly with a different software completely. So Revelation 13 and 14 contrasts two ways of salvation. All right. Thank you guys for sticking around. The book of Revelation ends with the following. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the land will be in it. And his bond servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. While those opposed to Christ governed access to the earthly temple over which the two beasts conspired to resist the things of Christ and his church, John pointed believers to the heavenly Jerusalem. In order to have access to the Jerusalem above, Galatians, and, and, and write this down, your, the next chapters that you really want to just really dive into for any of your end time brothers and sisters are Galatians chapter three and four. And then a little bit of five, a person must have the name of the lamb and his father written on their forehead and can only be read. That can only be read by God who sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Second Corinthians one contrast this with the earthly Jerusalem in the first century, which Paul describes as present Jerusalem, which is slavery with her children. Um, those who continued to look to present Jerusalem for salvation were given the mark of a slave, a slave, sorry, uh, and the, the mark of the beast. This interpretation is most likely new for you. Uh, and Gary says it was first, it was new to me when I, when I first heard it explained, that's okay. I believe it makes more sense than trying to fit the book of revelation into a modern day technological society. Here's the question. Can we derive any modern day application from a prophecy that has already been fulfilled? Absolutely. Any type of control and marking to identify people for whatever good reason, especially when it's done by a government or religion, is evil. All fulfilled prophecy still has application for us today. And that's what people don't quite understand. I read the prophecies of Jesus coming and I don't know what it is about people who want to have a biblical prophecy and they want to be part of something like they want to look forward to something like, do you do not have anything to look forward to and just being a, and, and being a Christian and advancing you, the kingdom of do God? Do you understand yourself? that there are so many prophetic words about what it means and what's going to happen to you or what you can walk in as a Christian and the, and the ama amazing, of the gospel spreading across the whole planet like 
you guys, we want the, I think we do want the same thing is that we can have it now and we're designed to have it now. And everybody else is saying that it's impossible to have now without Jesus sitting here on this planet. But I will tell you this, and you can write this one down. Jesus will never be more powerful in the future than he is right now. And Jesus will never have more authority. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus will have more authority in the future than he has right now. All power and authority have been given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power, all power and authority, every, everything, everything. And that is also another thing that you guys can go on. Another thing you guys can go on with your family is uh, not just Matthew 24, not just Matthew 23, but Matthew 21 through 25. Jesus is right there on the Mount of Olives. He's reading, he's, it's called the, the Olivet Discourse is not just uh, Matthew uh, 25. This whole passage here, and Jesus is talking about what is going to ha happen in the end days, in the mm -hmm. last days. And you see when he talks about uh, blood, fire, and pillar of smoke. Well, that is an apocalyptic wording. Just like the stars being thrown from heaven to the, the, to the ground or to the sea, okay, which would blow everything up. Again, ask your, ask your mom and dad or whoever end timers, what would happen if one star just fell? <laughs> do you think, do you really think a third of the stars are going to fall to the sea? Would they all fit? Yeah. Okay. First of all, hang on, Leah. <laughs> That's not, we're going to pretend you didn't ask that question. It's a joke. One star wouldn't fit. One I, star I would ob obliterate the earth. Mm -hmm. One star. Okay. So does it really say the stars are going to fall into the sea? Uh, Revelation 6, 13. And the stars in the sky fell to the earth as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong now, wind. One might argue that those are just meteorites. Okay, but it doesn't say meteorites. It says stars. But stars in and of themselves will never make their way to Earth. <laughs> they're far, far away. No, not only are they far, far away, they're too big. Most of the stars are bigger than Earth. Yeah, pretty sure. Okay. Okay, pumpkin. Okay, pumpkin. Are, the, are the third of all stars swept from heaven in Revelation 12 for fallen angels, someone asks. Okay. Mm. Well, but then there we are back to figurative. Yeah, and that just kind of goes back to going against the literalists, right? Apocalyptic in nature, you guys. Let's go to Revelation 12. Okay. And he opened up the third seal, and I heard a third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand, and heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four creatures, saying, A quarter of a week for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. And he opened up the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name with death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill uh, with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and uh, by wild beasts of the earth. And when he opened up the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. And, oh, wait, wait, this, this isn't with the one I wanted. This isn't picked up what I wanted about the revelation. And the, sorry, I wanted this one about the, the, the stars of the sky. Revelation 13, and then it was Revelation 12, I think. Okay, its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Yeah. And the mark of the beast 
is in Revelation 13. So you got the mark of the beast. So you've got the stars thrown into the earth. What does that look like? I know that it in, in the end times movies, there's got to be a, a third of... The, how do you have... But here's the thing. If we're doing literally, and it's meteors. It doesn't say meteors. But there aren't that many. And where do you pull them all from? Like, none of this is making sense. And, and here's the deal. It's a third. Mm-hmm. Of what meteors? Where? That's what I'm saying. We're from. Exactly. Where, out what was, where did the meteors come from? They're a third of what? So if you say it's meteors that are going to fall from the sky, where does the third come from? So that's a big one. Ask them about Revelation 6 and Revelation 12. And then say, but then after the earth is destroyed, because a third of all the stars falling to the earth would destroy everything... And you can't fall because again, again, <laughs> one back star falling to the earth would destroy everything. There's nothing left. The sun. Imagine the sun fell into the earth. We're dying. We're all dead here. We're all dead before we get to the mark of the beast. Do you know that the sun is a really small star? Yeah, for real. Why don't we have like a, a, a um? We're just gonna have. We need to just do a show on the stars. Yeah. Just we are. To... We are. Tell them about it. Oh, yeah. We're having Bob Sisson on. I don't know when it's going to premiere, but um, he's coming on on the 17th, and then we'll premiere it. And he's got a whole app for it. Bob the Plumber on Brighton. Mm -hmm. We're going to have him on our show. So it's going to be awesome. This is great. All we right. Ask him about this. Yeah. So going back to Revelation, and you want to talk about... Matt, did you want to say something? You look like you're just trying to come on in. I think it comes down it comes to what you're saying earlier. About, keep coming. About whose report are you going to believe? Keep coming. Well, there you are. No, you can. You're fine. Well, there's a lot of stuff around Look, here. Look, here you go. Random cups and... Come in closer. There well, you I'm, are. Well, your chair is kind of... As you move over, your chair is moving closer to me, so I'm getting pushed farther You've away. You've got this. You can lean in. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, need, we need a second cam like Tim We do Tim need Cass a second. Yeah. No, Leo is saying things... This is very awkward. She, she was saying, like, whose report are you going to believe? Well, in these end times churches, they sing that song, like, whose report will, will you believe? believe? We, we shall believe the report of the Lord. Lord. Yeah, it's like it comes down to that, you know? Maybe they should start following that song they're singing. Right? I did think about it's that, really, I mean, you know? Yeah. As you, as you were saying that, I didn't want to, like, butt in and, you know, interrupt, but... Songs. That's another yeah. thing that you can ask people about. What about the songs That's that good, you Matt. sing? Just ask them about the overcomer. Are you an overcomer? Are I'm you an overcomer? Stay in the fight till the final round. Are you an overcomer? Yes. This is this is how I fight my battles. Do you always win? Do you have the victory? The victory in Christ? Do you have it? Like, are these personal victories? Are these little? I feel like. It's like little tiny people. <laughs> the victory for you right here, you little people right here, but not victory on big scale, not for nation, not for city. Well, next time, Matt, come around on Leah's side and it'll I have more room. In. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll fit better on Leah's Exactly. Side. I was thinking about the songs. Just Ask them about the songs they sing. Did they sing the sad songs? Yeah. I wish we'd all been ready. Oh, I hate that. It's so bad. Or no, you sing. Do those make you happy? Do those make you feel the no, power of God? The no. joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you have the joy when you're thinking about, hey, this is the world's going to get worse and worse? All right. Uh, kind of one of the last things I'm going to talk about is when you're the 
is Matthew 23 and Matthew 24. So when you want to when you want to discuss things, say, hey, if you're going to open up and you want to read Matthew 24, understand something. When you're hearing about wars and rumors of wars, recognize this. We have the Internet. And so there's like, what, 7 billion people on the planet. You're going to be hearing about a lot of wars mm -hmm. and a lot of rumors of wars. But historically, there have been more wars. Okay, historically, all of Europe was constantly always fighting. Okay, there were these marriages going in and out. You had, um, there was literally in the Bible, it says, and they got up for the time of war. And it was the season of war because yeah. there was always a season of war. People were always fighting, always battling, never not battling. There was, it's just like the Native Americans here often. You know how much times. less war we have had since Christ? Well, can... <laughs> Yes and no. Then the World War One and World War Two kind of no, 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 blow no, no, no. it up. No, they don't really, because like you just said, if you read the Old Testament, every other day these people were going to war. Mm -hmm. It's not every other day that this is happening here. We've had, we had like, you know, five or six big wars in a century. A lot like of this war, is but yeah. no, it's not not in comparison to what what historically I mean, it's the past a lot six of dead thousand people. years that we have we have equipment that kills more people. Leah. You are, please, Bible scholar Leah, don't embarrass yourself to me because I have read the Old Testament and every time I turn around, 50,000 people here are dead, 70,000 people here are dead, 100,000 people here are dead. I just it's mean like numbers wise. Hundreds, that's the numbers I'm talking about. 100,000, 50,000, 75,000. They'd go to war and like 300,000 people died. When was the last time you had that happen, Leah? That was like happening all the time back then. I'm just saying we have equipment that can kill more people at one we time. Yeah, but have we outside of Hiroshima? Well, I think because of the population, fair enough. Wars. They, they, fair they, enough. They have always been fighting. Okay. Tribes have been fighting. You know that the um, the 12 tribes of Israel even fought amongst themselves? Yes. To kill each other? But during this particular time, there were lots. The Rome, Rome had conquered the known world. And they were always going to battle. There was always wars happening. Okay. Um, but the, the main key at the, at the end of the passage of Matthew 24 is all these things shall come upon this, this generation. generation. And just an insert from a historical lens here. There was actually a really nice, very rare time of peace that had taken place just leading up to this. It was, mm -hmm. it was not normal. Okay. It was not normal. Be specific. So I specifically, I don't, uh, maybe you the know time, the dates. The time before Jesus came, um, the Roman Empire had experienced a time of peace. A very rare time of peace. Yes. So when these wars started coming up, it was a a stark contrast. Mm -hmm. Here's So we're in peace while Jesus is alive, relatively speaking. Jesus is alive and they're, they're in a pretty good time of peace that they that has not been known for a while, for a couple of generations. I don't know how long it lasted. Didn't pay that much attention when we were going over it before. But I know that there was a specific time of peace. And so then after Jesus dies, rises again, ascends to the Father, and then all of a sudden, over the next generation, those 40 years, here comes wars and rumors of wars. Mm -hmm. And war, and, and even in that time, in that generation, those 40 years, even that was kind of peaceful. Mm -hmm. Leading up all the way to when the wars really started to happen in 65, mm -hmm. 66, 67, 68, yeah. that time was a time of war. 
And right. so for, for that, that period, it wasn't actually war when the Christians were being persecuted. That's not really what we call war. Yes, it was a war on the Christians, but it wasn't mm -hmm. a war like armies against armies. So it was a time of chaos for yeah. the church. Mm -hmm. Okay. But there weren't wars right. like we're talking about that came in pretty much after John wrote this letter leading into 70 AD. So they were literally able to look and go, wow, these are the wars that were spoken of. And like when Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, flee to the hills. They fled to a city called Pella. They mm. were not killed. Okay. These are the types of things that, that people, if you don't know your history. Yeah. And this is, again, I say this all the time. This is one thing that I would have you say to anybody that's having a discussion with you. Mm -hmm. You don't get to preach about revelation mm -hmm. unless you know the history that happened mm -hmm. in the generation that happened that from Jesus dying to mm -hmm. 70 AD, the way that at the very minimum, the way you know about the revolutionary war mm -hmm. as an American, yeah, because not knowing about what happened during this time that Jesus, you would think that there would be a hunger and a fervor amongst Christians who love the word of God and just want to eat it up. And they, and they're hearing Jesus saying this generation, mm -hmm. This generation will not pass away until all of these things come to pass. It'll happen within a generation. I mean, and you would think most people would go, wow, let me just study what was happening during yeah. that generation. Let me dig into that and find out what was really going on. And then you would stop and think um, when Jesus said one stone won't be uh, left upon another. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, you know what? I don't think there's a temple in Jerusalem mm -hmm. anymore. Let me find out when that was destroyed. Oh my gosh, it was destroyed in 70 AD. It was destroyed when Jesus prophesied that it would happen. And wait a minute. When really did the Jews stop making sacrifices? Because they don't sacrifice anymore. Yeah. So when did that happen? When did the transition between the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament actually happen? And you start thinking these things through and you go back and you would eat and consume all history that you possibly could of that time, which means if you do that, you're going to be reading Irenaeus. You're going to be reading Josephus. You're going to read it, be reading uh, Justin the Martyr. You're going to be yeah. reading all of these things. Mm -hmm. And when you do then... You can possibly talk mm -hmm. about the book of Revelation. But until then, anybody that you're talking to, you're going to have to just sit them and sit, sit them down and say, listen, I know more about what the yeah. Christian Revolutionary War equivalent is than you do. Just listen to me for a second. Yeah. So uh, this is a book that if you guys really want to make some good uh, arguments with your friends and family and talk about things or discuss things or to be... Um, just to be really solid, knowledgeable, R.C. Sproul, The Last Days According to Jesus. This, to me, is probably one of the only books you really need. Yeah. Um, it's a very short read. I think I read it almost in one day uh, because it was so intriguing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what I knew this. I knew this. I knew this. And everything the Lord had already showed me, um, I didn't really learn too much more myself by reading this. But what it did is it confirmed what I already knew and what the Lord had already shown me myself through Scripture allowing scripture to interpret itself allowing god to to, to be the to, to be the interpreter so let me give you an example of what is in this book so there's a table here now the olivet discourse or the, the talk about like what's going to happen in the end times that jesus talked about um is referenced in matthew 24 Mark 13 and Luke 21 generally, but there are other passages throughout these gospels. And what's interesting is you can see, huh? Luke 17, Luke 17 too, Matt says. Okay, so you can see here, I'm going to read some of these things. So 
False Christs are Matthew 24, 5, Mark 13, 6, Luke 21, 8. Wars and Rumors Wars, Matthew um, 24, 6, Mark 7, or 13, 7, Luke 21, 9. And you don't need to give the verses. It's, they're all found within those chapters. Right. And, and I'm just letting you guys know that, 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 that the authors all kind of wrote around this, the same things about what was going to happen in the, in, in the end times. But what's really amazing about, about that is when you go, there's another section in here that talks about what did Jesus say about, um, or what did the, does the New Testament talk about the end times? Okay, the last references to the last times here. Okay, so the last times here would be Matthew 13, 39. The harvest is at the end of the age. Um, Matthew 13, uh, 40. So it would be the end of the age. He who endures the end will be saved. The day will declare it. You see the day approaching. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, in that day, um, the uh, the great and notable day of the Lord, Acts 2.20, the judgment of the great day, Jude 6. But what's really interesting um, is that when you go to Matthew 24.6, and it's talking about different things that happen, it says, but the end is not yet. Matthew 24.14, then the end will come. And then Jesus says in Matthew 24, and all these things, including the end, will happen in that generation. Um, we're not looking for another end days, end times, the last days. And so what Paul was talking about often uh, in the future uh, this is what R.C. Sproul says. Russell uh, notes, and this is the book that he's re he's referring to. This is a hard one for to get through. I have not been through it all. I've been through a lot. James Stuart Russell. This guy wrote this in the 1800s. It's called The Perusa, which means um, the coming. The coming. The coming. Okay. Um, so what Russell notes that the evils Paul warns about in the future are represented by both Paul and John as being actually present. Now, there's a few things about all these, all these different references. Number one, that they all refer to the same great defection from the faith designated by St. Paul as the apostasy. Now, this apostasy would be very general and widespread. That it would be marked by an extreme depravity of morals, particularly by sins of the flesh. That it was to be accomplished by pretensions to miraculous power. That it was largely, if not chiefly, Jewish in its character. That it rejected the incarnation and the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ, i.e. the predicated Antichrist. Now, what's, what's very particular and what's important about this is that the, all the, the, the main apostles were all Jewish. And their whole goal was to go from temple to temple and convince every one of their brothers and sisters that their, the Messiah had come, the Jewish Messiah had come. Many of them struggled a little bit, the fact that this was to the Gentiles as well. Okay? And then they had to get over it. Like, Peter, I, I, you know, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Go and hang out with Cornelius. And, oh, wow, the Gentiles are getting this too. Okay? It's pretty cool. But primarily, all the apostles wanted to go to the temple and to the Jews first. And that's why Paul was like, they're not even listening to me. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And do you know that kind of anger and animosity that they had towards them? They wanted to kill them. They wanted to throw them out. Do you not see that they are actually talking about the punishment that is going to come upon those who are rejecting the very message that they had gotten verbatim from the Son of God himself? 
the son of God himself. This is how you can talk to people. What do you think he meant by this generation? Every other time in the Bible, it means this generation. It's not you. You probably think Matthew 24 is about you, about you, about you. You're so vain. Okay. It's not you, man. It's not you. I'm sorry. The author of Hebrews says God has spoken by his son in these last days. In these last days. Last of the last. That's, you know what? What happens if you're the last in line? <laughs> Ain't nobody behind you. You know why? We went, we went and we went to that horse and carriage deal. Yeah. And this guy said, I got one chicken. And we were the last in line that got the chicken. Matt got himself a chicken. Guess what? Ain't nobody else got the chicken. It was last chicken. Leah. Clearly, the passage assigns Jesus' earthly ministry to the last days. The last of the days. The last of the old covenant and the beginning of the what? New. Now, let me explain something to you. If we are moving from the old covenant to the new covenant, Will there be a last time and a last day of the old covenant, Michelle? Yes. But Jesus was talking about a transitional period and why he called it the last days. Because in the Old Testament, they talked about the last days. In the last days. Uh, in the last days. In the time of the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament to the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, it's a switcheroo. And we're coming on. It's going tick, 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 tick. But Jesus said of that day and of that hour when it's finally switched over, okay, because guess what? He was allowing the sacrifices to continue. They were the blood of bulls and goats were still being sacrificed. People were still going to, even Paul went into the temple to, um, to, to have, um, to do temple rituals. Now, it's, what's very interesting is Jesus sent them to the temples and to the synagogues. He was sent them to the temple and to the synagogues. He had the presence of God was being transferred. It's like when you have one computer, you got another computer, and you have begun the transfer. Boop, 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 boop. The transfer had begun, and then the time would take down to the last days when everything on one computer would go to another computer. And that was AD 70 when the presence of God left the temple. It was done. And we don't know when. The temp when God's presence left the temple, we don't really know. Some people say, "Well, did the temple of God, did the, did the presence of God was it torn in two? The veil was open, but did the presence of God leave?" I don't know. It doesn't say. Okay, clearly the pa okay might the the qualifier these hint at a distinction between the last days that included the incarnation and some other still future last days. While exploring the rest of the epistle in Hebrews. We note some important texts, particularly chapters 9 through 10. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens. Oh, my gosh. The end of the, the end, the, the heavens and the earth shall pa not pa pass away. Okay. The copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us, not that he should uh, offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He would then have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages, 
He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it has a, as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. This passage refers to both the first and second appearance of Christ. The context for his first appearance is the end of the ages. Yet his followers are still waiting for him to appear a second time. Simon Kistmaker comments, when did Christ come? The author of Hebrews writes, at the end of the ages. This does not have to refer to the end of time because in the same context, the writer says that Christ will appear a second time. This expression apparently points to the total impact of Christ's coming and the effect of his atoning work. And because of his triumph over sin, we live in the last age. We live in the last age. We're not coming to another age, not another another days. So a couple other things that I specifically enjoy these are just fun for me when talking to people just to throw out there this was left in the chat a little bit ago and and as a reminder um when we're talking about the mark of the beast and the beast himself who is the beast like leah alluded to earlier john would have been writing in code mm -hmm. because the beast was in power at the time mm -hmm. nero so he would have been and and at that time he really wasn't even writing in code mm. because Nero was literally, and this is a, write this down. Nero at the time was well known by everyone mm -hmm. as the beast. Mm. They called him the beast mm -hmm. because he was persecuting the Christians to such a degree that he would take them and soak them in oil and light them on fire as mm -hmm. Roman candles. Mm -hmm. He was called the beast. So if, if I'm writing a letter in 2023 mm -hmm. and I write you a letter and I say, I know so-and-so who got the jab and they died. You're going to go, they got the COVID-19 vaccine mm. and they died. You're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, the jab could refer to any kind of, uh, you could be jabbed in the heart or you could, a jab could be any kind of other vaccine. If you move the, the time period a little bit, it could be anything. But the fact that we're all using this code word, the jab, you know we're talking about the COVID-19 vaccine. Mm. At that time, John is writing about Nero, calling him the beast, and everyone that he's writing to is going to know he's talking about the beast because Nero is the beast. Mm. Okay? Nero's name, Neron Kaiser, spells out... Or, or is 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 represented in the Hebrew letter or numbers letters because all of the Hebrew letters have a numerical value, mm. and so Nero's name literally is represented by the number six six six. Okay, when you tell these things to people, their brains will have to go tilt. And at the very least, they will have to concede that it's all going to happen again. Mm. And I had a friend that did that once in the driveway. I was talking to her and I'm explaining all these things and I'm watching the wheels go in her head. And she goes, and this is what she said. She goes, well, well, we believe that it's just all going to happen again. There is no, we believe because I just presented new information to you that you didn't know before. <laughs> okay. You can say that now. But you've, you had not inserted that. So you have to go, well, then I believe. Not we believe as if this is something that's been presented to you before because it has not. Most people have not been presented with that specific information. Again, I'm going to give you a couple more highlights. 
when it says that brother will rise against brother, everybody fled all of the Jews, they knew there were wars and rumors of wars. The Christians fled to the hills. The Jews fled to Jerusalem. That was the place that everybody went for a time of safety. They starved. Why did they starve? Because there was chaos going on within Jerusalem and they were destroying the food. It was satanic. Brother was rising against brother. Brother was turning brother in. This is recorded in the book of Josephus. Okay. Cannibalism was taking place also recorded in the book of Josephus. The bodies that died, the, the, the amount of Jews that died was over 1 million. This was a third of the Jews that died. Imagine that. Leah, do you know how big the population of our city is? Maybe 16,000. Okay. So we've got a million Jews. That's not a number that you can really quantify in one place. The bodies were piled up so that in the river, so that you could almost cross the river just by walking on the bodies. Mm. The destruction that happened in Jerusalem was so grotesque and so huge. It's no wonder that no Hollywood movie has ever been made about it to my knowledge. I don't know why. I know why. One, because it would blow modern end times theory out of the water. And two, the scale, the scope, the parting of the Red Sea in, um, with what's his name? Charlton Heston would be nothing compared to what they would have to do. It would all have to be computer generated because there's no way. And, and you know what? When people watched it, if it was really depicted the way that it really happened, people wouldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. That's how bad it was. What was going on within Jerusalem at that time? Mm. It was so bad that if it was put in a movie right now, people would call it fiction. Yeah, I want to read some of these comments uh, so from Braille. Uh, the Canonical Orthodox Temple is a microcosm of uh, the cosmos, which is modeled after the temple in heaven and which is a uh, participation into the eternal worship. Um, and symbolism is the language of the Holy Spirit. Um, Nanny Yaffa says, this is where our church study of revelation fell apart. Couldn't agree on literal or figurative. Uh, Rob Roy says, perhaps the revelation was a secret message to the persecuted Christians in a language of symbols they could understand and decide, but the Roman army and authorities could not understand. Um, he also says the entire Bible comes alive when one understands the end of the Jewish polity in AD 70. Uh, Braille says the 20th century was the bloodiest in human history due to tech. Um, Read uh, Sherry's comment there. Uh, 70 AD in the kingdom, two things I didn't hear a sermon preached about ever. And Rob says me neither. Nana says one day in fellowship, someone asked how many people, how people wanted to die. I blurted out that I'm not going to die. I'm going up in a chariot of fire like Elijah. <laughs> Um, uh, pretty morbid to ask people how they want to die. That's not, yeah. It is just like COVID. It didn't make sense. But when they repeat a lie over and over again, people just accept the truth. Rob says, yet biblical scholars say Matthew 24 was for thousands of years later. Uh, Nana says, I'm a bonafide Bible thumper. I love the Bible and, uh, people act like it's a punishment to have to read it. Uh, Shannon, uh, Shan Dune says after the civil... War putting Octavian versus Mark Antony, there was about 25 years or longer of peace leading up to Jesus' birth. Thank you. 
Um, and then Rob says, read the essential writings of Josephus. And he also says it is not for the saint of heart. And then they're talking. The say, faint yes, of heart. Faint of heart. Yeah. Yep. The Perusa was the book that set me on the quest for uh, eschatological truth. Uh, Mark Anthony, born uh, AD uh, or 83 BC, died August um, 30, AD. 30, 30 AD. Mom put that in there. Thank you very much. So thank you guys. You guys are uh, really doing a great job. Um, Milford about 6,400, but I think our, thank you, Sherry. Patriot Gallery says that the Cincinnati population is about 308,000. Okay. Okay, that's that's the greater Cincinnati that actually includes a lot of smaller cities within it. Yeah. But still, that's a third of the amount of people that died in 70 AD. Guys, this is, so, so it's unfathomable. So when you sit down and you talk to people and they're like, yeah, it's just this little thing that happened. Are you kidding me? So, uh, Shay and Dune says the year of uh, the four emperors, Nero had died in late 68 AD. Galba replaced him in January 69. He lasted until June of 69. who was replaced by Otho, uh, who was replaced by, uh, Vitalius, who was replaced by Vespasian in late 69. He was the general who was sent by Nero to conquer the Jewish rebellion. His son Titus, who followed him as emperor 10 years later, finished the conquest and destruction of Jerusalem. So you guys are on it. I'm not exactly sure why you're here, except for to get... Um, well, my understanding is that, that, that specific viewer, mm -hmm. um, you can click on that. Just what? click on their page right, real quick, please. Um, no... I think that that person has a BitChute channel. Is that? That's always sending us John Dune? emails. I think so. Well, but I can't pull it up because I can't get my Gmail to come up. I can't get Google to come up at so all. So we do have, it's Jim Dunn. Uh, and Jim Dunn, he had asked, he had sent us two books. Um, and he has written the books and I wanted, he asked me to uh, tell you guys about them. One is the United States of Empire. And he is working on uh, Josephus writings and he's got a channel on uh, Brideon. And he's got Captain Benjamin Church and the King Philip's War. That's awesome. So um, the United States of Empire. Are those available on Amazon? Yeah. Beginning with the, with the foundation, formation of Germany and the Franco-Prussian War. Author, historian, and journalist James Dunn leads readers through the war to end all wars in the Battle of Jutland to provide a backdrop of the dramatic, dr dramatic precedent the United States set during the First World War. This point of no return marked the U.S. as an imperial power and the 20th century as the American century. Meticulously examined and boldly written, Dunn shares nearly a decade of extensive research and goes where few historians dare. So, Jim, I am just now seeing this. I'm really sorry. Um, I know that you had mentioned it in an email, and um, Leah just now opened this up, and I, I apologize. Um, for our viewers, this book specifically is going to be very near and dear to my heart. I literally want to just read it tonight. The King's King Philip's War, when we talk about Plymouth, Massachusetts, and we talk about the pilgrims, one of the things that we often reference is this, the, that the pilgrims had a 50-year peace treaty, which was the longest-lasting peace treaty in America mm -hmm. between the, the, the pilgrims and the Wampanoag Indians, Native Americans. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? Another generation... And the children rise up, mm -hmm. and the peace treaty doesn't last. And mm -hmm. King Philip um, was not actually a... He was a Native American of the Wampanoag tribe. And the war that he perpetuated um, ended that peace treaty. Mm -hmm. And I am very excited 
to read this book. And I would encourage all of you to go on Amazon and, this and one, get this it. This finds out how this is. This is a book on how we got to where we're at today. Very excited about this. Yeah, Jim. Very very so. excited. All right. So these two books. All right, so before we sign off for today, does anybody have any questions, any last-minute, uh, any last-minute, uh, you know, hey, this is the question that's really burning in me. What do you, how do you guys answer that? Yeah, and we've been going for 39 minutes without it crashing. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I will say this. I hope that you all have fantastic discussions because you are armed and you are ready. That is, though, that is Jim's books. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, you, you have been, I want you to feel confident that you know what you know, and you know so much more than they do. Okay. You know more about what they think that they believe than they do. Okay. So, so that right there is huge. Another thing let's cover on very, very briefly, just while we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, we're equipping you for these conversations and you're taking notes. Let's remind you of when the modern end times theory that is currently believed came into being. Mm -hmm. Okay. It came in the mid 1800s and you, we have done a series on these. And so I'm just going to give you a very, very broad brush stroke of this. Okay. Oh, Scott's here. It's come in from a, a, a wide variety of things and, and several layers, but for all intents and purposes, let's just give them the broad stroke. There was a prophecy session. One girl gets uh, apparently, touched by God, Mary McDonald. And she just, Margaret McDonald, all of a sudden she just kind of, man, I believe it was demonic manifests and comes out and comes out with this kind of modern end times message that you now, that, that everybody believes. Well, the rapture, okay. the, the rapture, rapture theory, the rapture, the rapture theory. theory that we're going to all be sucked out of here. Okay. Well, and she just believed that those people who knew about it would go. Right. Secret, secret rapture. And a lot of these things are, were very secretive. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have the, the Plymouth brethren, not associated with our Plymouth people. Okay. The Plymouth, Plymouth brethren were a, a, a very sect, secret, very yeah. secretive sect. And they believed that they were the one and the only people that were going to be saved secretly raptured, and yeah. secretly raptured out of here. And the whole rest of the world was going to go to hell in a handbasket. Okay. And so through these layers, um, a, a part of the Plymouth brethren, we get, Aliester Crowley and his dad and his mom. He's the, the same. Aliester Crowley's dad was a, a, an ardent end times person. And he was a minister in the Plymouth brethren. And that's why Aliester Crowley became a Satanist because he wanted to be the beast. He, he wanted, wanted to be, to the, be the, the antichrist. He wanted to be the antichrist. Yes. He wanted to be. So Satan, you have right a Satanist man. who's grown up with these people who are, are inventing a theology that now everybody believes they're inventing a theology in the 1800s. And some of the fruit of that is Satanist Aliester Crowley because he sees all of the stuff that they're talking about. And he goes, I want to be Satan's right hand guy. Okay. That's really bad fruit. Okay. So then comes in all of these frauds and these shysters, one of them being, um, Schofield. So C.I. Schofield was a cad. He was a pretend lawyer. Uh, he was run out of town. Uh, if you look up where he was in Kansas, his the, his own hometown writes all these horrible things about him. He ran out on his wife. He had an affair. And he was a plagiarist. And he took uh, Darby's dispensationalism and he put it in a book and he was paid for by Zionist Jews. He didn't just put Jews. it in a book. He put it in a Bible. A Bible. He was paid by Zionist Jews. And this is where I know we cross over to the crazy land. Uh, but no, it's true. That it was Zionist Jews who wanted to set up a uh, a, a, a literal Israel, and a new Israel, a new Jewish state. 
and they had to get evangelical Christians behind them. And so what better uh, way to do this than to have this theology that says all of this stuff in the Old Testament, Christians, it's not for you. It's for the Jews. And if you really want it, then you have to set up this new land in Israel for the Jews. And then your Messiah will come. So he puts all of these study notes in the Schofield Reference Bible. Mm -hmm. If you ever got your hands on an original mm -hmm. C.I. Schofield reference Bible, mm -hmm. you would go, this man is crazier than, I mean, he is insane. It's, uh, it's not They biblical. have had to curate mm -hmm. the Schofield reference Bible to take out all of his crazy stuff mm -hmm. to be able to peddle it to the world. Well, and because the, the very first of it, the dispensationalists believe that Jews would just reign for a thousand years. Right. And no Christians. You're so, just stuck in Etherland. So like, when you, where are you at? When you're having these conversations with your family members over Turkey, you just say, listen, what you believe is called modern end times theory, theory. And it came about within the last 150 years. Prior to that, the church fathers did not believe in a, write this down, a combination of a rapture and a seven-year tribulation. It is nowhere to be found not only in the Bible and scripture, but anywhere in church theology. You would think that it would be somewhere. It's there, nowhere. There will be a seven-year tribulation and then you'll be raptured out. That's not in the or Bible. Or you'll be raptured before a seven-year tribulation. It's Either nowhere. Way, it's nowhere, nowhere in, it in the actually, Bible. And actually the secret rapture, there's no scripture for that either. And Leah, why do we call it a secret rapture one more time? Because it's secret. No. Yeah, because because it doesn't fit in scripture. No, the secret rapture is because it's well, it's because it's it's all of a sudden people are gone and it's it nobody knows about it. What I'm saying is it's not really found in scripture. So no, it's it not doesn't fit in, in the timeline. No, the only one is we will take be taken up to meet and him you will in the meet clouds. him in the air. Okay, meet but it, that's the, the only scripture that but they the have. Clouds, clouds are often referenced to coming, a king coming. Okay. And so that's why you do have the people who are anti-rapture. And it's like, no, we're going through the tribulation. <laughs> exactly. We have to because that rapture thing, that ain't in the Bible anywhere. It's not in the Bible. So you can get people that far. You know, yeah. I think Sherry said in the comment that she was working on a family member who's swaying a little bit. I don't know if it was a cousin ah. or an aunt or whatever. It was something Generation like that. is a big one. This generation. This generation will not pass away until all these things come to pass. Oh my gosh. I don't know about y'all, but I don't serve a Jesus that's a liar. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's my, that's your statement. Write that down. You this is your this is your what you're gonna go into the conversation with. You can serve a Jesus that lies, but I do not. Jesus was looking at real people. Leah, I'm gonna tell you something. Oh, but maybe Jesus just got it wrong. Well, I don't serve a savior that gets it wrong. This generation will not pass away until all these things come to pass. And then the time stamps in Revelation. Okay. And then it says, and okay, these pumpkin. things will be shortly come to pass. Shortly okay. soon. So I hope that that helps. This was really good. Uh, say, say a prayer for me tomorrow. I'm going to spend the entire day learning a new system. Apparently. So we love you. God loves you. God bless. Remember, Wait, it's not just a conspiracy theory. Of it's actually the truth. It's Christmassy times. Before so you sign up. this is Christmas. Before we sign off, remember, uh, Vicky Natali has made it so that all of her products are 10% off for all of With for promo code RC. RC. So if you guys still have Christmas presents to get, please. I am literally 
counting down the days until, until we get the this. flawless face serum comes in. Please come sooner. So take. Let's just take a note. I want y'all to see. Let's see. Nope, it's too bright in here. You can't see it. No, they're not showing up. I don't know why this camera is actually <laughs> looking pretty good right now. But um, the the wrinkles on my face. I've been looking in the mirror and I'm like, oh my gosh, those ain't supposed to be there and they haven't been there when I was using this every day and then I ran out. So I'm just saying. It's crack cocaine in a bottle and it's all organic and I uh, love by this the way stuff. secret rapture is because first Thessalonians 4 says for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first so it's not done secretly it's kind of openly oh that's a really good point that's why it's no that's rapture. no write that down what's the, that's the first Thessalonians 4 4 yeah it's gonna be a big thing or be a trumpet and a big blast and a whole big thing well and that actually kind of happened in 70 but okay yeah. So, but everybody else is like, it's literally you're lying in bed and you're sucked up and your clothes are left behind because you go to heaven naked. You know, like it's weird. It's weird. These people are weird. So yeah, you go to organicbodyessentials.com, use promo code RC and the CBD tincture. Guys, we've been so against that stuff like our entire lives, but it works. It does. If you, have, so if you know somebody with arthritis or pain, I highly recommend it. You it's don't legit. need to use it often. Yes. Uh, it'll last a very long time. And it's all organic. Like, and literally, also, she prays over her products. Yes. So oh, 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 oh. Tomorrow, we have our own. I have my own free consultation call with ITM Trading. So, we'll let I'm you gonna guys know back. how it goes. We're going to talk to Lynette's sister. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know she was her sister. Yeah. Get out of town. No, we're going to She's talk. like a celebrity. I know. So, okay, so I have a call tomorrow at 3.30, and I'm going to, I'm talking to ITM Trading, and I'm super excited about this, and I'm going to get, I'm hoping to get a pre-1933 ounce of gold. Mm -hmm. That's what I, that's, that's what we're going in for. We're going to see what happens. We've saved our pennies. We saved the pennies. Yeah. And so, if you too would like to protect yourself and protect your wealth and preserve it, go to learn.itmtrading.com forward slash chicks and schedule. So, you know, it was so easy. I literally went to learn.itmtrading.com forward slash chicks. I went to our own link. Mm -hmm. And it said, schedule your free strategy call today. So I clicked on that. Mm -hmm. It let me choose from the calendar the date and the time that I wanted. They um, sent me a text message. They've sent me email reminders. Like, so super professional. We also felt like we should go through the system <clears throat> once for you guys. I'm really excited about like. this. Like, I'm super uber They've excited about this. They've told us at ITM Trading, they're like, you guys really should call in. I'm like, but we don't like that kind of money. <laughs> and so we're just they, like, uh, they can't sell anything less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. And so our purchases when we buy it are usually like 400 bucks to I to SD Bouillon. Yeah. And yeah. so we've saved our pennies because this is, and a, now I literally am taking my little put piggy our, bank. I'm taking my piggy bank to ITM trading and I'm setting it down and I'm saying, what can this get me? ITM trading. Give me what you got. Yeah. Get, this is what I'm telling them. I know. Right. I'm going to tell her that on the phone. I'm like, I'm bringing my little, I'm lugging my bag of pennies. What'll that buy me? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I'm honestly a little embarrassed to be calling, but uh, don't be embarrassed to call because uh, we have a friend of ours who uh, is making smaller. Uh, uh, so they just told her to save up. To yes. get over that $1,000 minimum. Right. Yeah, that's what um, they told her to do. So that's what she's going to do as well because she wants to buy some gold. So she's saving up throughout the month, you know, your savings. And so we did the same thing because we've been doing silver. And we just, I truly believe in gold. Wealth preservation. I truly believe that gold is the right way to go. But we, ha you know, it's one of those things where it's like, 
So we have put aside our, we've done the same thing. If you guys would do this, this is something that all of us can do. Okay. I truly believe that we can do, if you can do gold to do gold, but it will take, it's you guys, there is discipline mm. and there are savings and there are things that you put off that you don't do because you believe that this is the right way to go. This okay? is the way. So these are things we, we putting our money where our mouth is. Absolutely. Yes. We've been doing silver. We're good with silver for as good as we can get for at this moment. And I truly believe that if you have amount, any amount of wealth, put, I, here's the thing. This is what we're telling people. Savings accounts. If you've got thousands of dollars in savings accounts, every single day that goes by, you're it's losing money. Yes. Okay. So if you have any money that you're going to put in savings and everybody should hopefully have a little bit to put aside for savings, save it up if you can and, and, and purchase some gold. And you'll, what, you, what will happen is, guess what? With There's that, something spiritual that takes place when you hold gold. Same thing with silver. Like I hold the silver, but I'm not going to lie. When I hold the gold that we've purchased, which we usually purchase the little ones, when I have held the gold that we purchased, and Uncle Jack purchased a big one once, um, I it's like you just there's something so God about it because it's not in the actual gold, it's in the obedience. But let me to also getting back tell to God's you, money. If you need to, uh, if if you're saving wealth and then you're going to need that, let's say two thousand dollars back, um, it is easier to to transfer the gold. And you will have a return probably on that yeah. uh, with the gold. Right. Uh, Versus where, silver. Whereas you're, you're just probably going to get but, back. But yeah, we do not need right to now. give advice. That's not our job. Yeah. Our job, and we've been told this by ITM Trading, they're like, you don't have to really tell them what to get and what not to get. Just have them call us. Mm. They will tell us what their goals are, and then we will advise them. And that's what I love about them. They've been in business for 27 years. Mm -hmm. Okay? Like, they are, I, mean, I, I we were recommending these people for six years for free. It's my mom's favorite channel. Okay. Lynette so, is literally my mom's favorite channel. And don't forget to go to uh, howardshandmade.com. Howardshandmade.com. The hats that we opened up on the show on, was that um, Sunday? I'll show them again on, on, on Friday. They're like the best. They the say resistance, resistance chicks. chicks. I love them. I've been colors. wearing it. It's like, it's so comfortable. Like everything that they make is high quality and you're supporting somebody from Bards Nation and Resistance Chicks family. So super, just that's, this and is what we need to And everybody in your family needs a pillow. Or some sheets or some slippers. Because every time you put your head on the pillow, they put their head on that pillow, they're going to be dreaming mega. They're going to be thinking about God's going to show them how to fix elections. Yeah. The anointing of, of election fraud. It's going to come right into your brain. The reason, every time they walk on those my slippers. Pray. Every time they get out of the shower and they're naked body when they're the most vulnerable ever. And they put that big and old, they put that big big old my towel, pillow towel around them. You cover up your nastiness with a my pillow towel. That's what you're going to do for your liberal family members. That's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to go to mypillow.com and you're going to use promo code and they RC. won't be able to not use them because their slippers are going to be so awesome and the towels are going to be so comfortable. They're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to use that towel. You know what? And he I'm needs to call that coffee, the my coffee. You don't wake up and drink a cup of Joe. You wake up and drink a cup of Trump. <gasps> a cup of Trump. That's all. Or Donald. Don. That's his first name. Joe. Don. 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 It's a joke, but anyway. Okay. You don't drink a cup of joe. Stop that. Right? Get yep. the my coffee. Okay. We love you. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth, we will see you on Friday at brighteon.com, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll see you right here on Rumble and again on Facebook with the brand new software that I'm going to learn very, very quickly because God's going to give me a matrix type anointing that's just going to download this software right in my head. And I'm going to know exactly what I'm doing. I'm really excited so about it. So Isaiah uh, 41.10 says, Sherry. I'm, or, or, 
Uh, I am partial to the 5 uh, G gold bars in my price range, and the words are big enough to read. 5 gram, yeah. 5 gram. I told uh, my husband to call ITM. He doesn't know. I moved my retirement to gold and silver last year. Shh. <laughs> Wish I had heard about Lynette then. Oh, wow. Oh, shoot. Wish you'd heard about Lynette then. Oh my I'm so gosh. sorry. You two are silly. Sunday says, I got my son pillowcases for his my pillows. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Okay, cool. So uh, Wait, oh. everybody's Bible is in the mail. That won. So if you want to come on Friday and enter to win a Founder's Bible, Friday or Sunday, you can come and you can enter that day. But if you would like to enter ahead of time, you can shoot me an email, massfaith33 at gmail.com, and enter to win the Founder's Bible. We will be doing a drawing at the end of the show on Friday for the Founder's Bible. Our last two Bibles that we're giving away are this week so that we can get them out so in wait. time for Christmas. So this, our dentist uses, uses earth paste from uh, Redmond Sea Salt. Oh, wow. For her awesome. toothpaste. But she, uh, she, also, she uses the Health Ranger mouthwash. Oh, wow. She says I use their mouthwash. So that's the that's dentist that's recommended. Dentist recommended from Brighton, the Brighton yeah. store. That's awesome. I think Leah is making it. Yeah, I'm working on making some some toothpaste now. Um, yeah, I'm gonna do a whitening one with. Um, um, I've got my. Do you know Nemo? I have all these different ingredients Nemo. around the house, and I'm missing my Benonite, Benonite clay. clay. But I got some neem that's coming, and you've been I, looking for it. Why don't you just order it? So we, I have a big bag of it somewhere. Did you check up in there? I did. Is that why you cleaned out the the, the pantry today? Were you I did for clean it? out the pantry. She did a phenomenal job, by the way. Found some stuff. Good job, Leah. Found some rock salt. So this week, you and Matt made, oh my gosh, the best. The, be oh, the soup was great. Soup. The soup was like, great. I'm eating this soup. Did you guys see and that? And I'm was? going, that was live on we Facebook. We must make this again. Like this is going to become a staple at our house. That we will eat. Leah and Matt made this. For now. now, the only difference is, is that we don't, we're not going to always have fresh shiitake mushrooms. But the soup was good even without the mushrooms. Because we put them on last. And so I had some of the soup without the mushrooms. It was so good. So it's the beef and barley soup that was in the latest Epoch Times newspaper. Leah's got the link. Are you putting it in the chat? I am. So Leah's got the link to the recipe. So I might, I'm going to have to copy and paste because I don't know if everybody... You can probably share the link. No, I don't I don't know. Epoch Times sometimes oh. doesn't because we well, then get then that's the... cheating. It's a recipe. But you have to add... There's no directions. Leah. There's a recipe, guys. I'm going to put the link, but I don't think it went. I'll put the link. Okay. Put the link. I'll put the link. Maybe we'll sometimes they'll let you like open it for free for like once. If you're like brand new or whatever. Somebody sends you yeah. the link. There it is. So that's that soup was oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We get to go eat it right now in a minute. Yep. Right? So very excited about that. Anyway, this week. So that video was done. You did a video. So what was Lori Belly saying that Melissa Red Pill, uh, Red Pill the World on Rumble, she decided Revel I think Revelation. I wonder if she got it right. So uh, No or yes. No. No, no. Melissa quite. Red Pill is like dispensationalist end times all this stuff is happening right now people uh, have tried to direct me to her before mm. and i've looked um so i think people come in and they see the title of our show and they go oh this person's talking about revelation too so they must be talking about the same thing and and we're not i've looked it up before sorry um unless she's had a radical change in the last eight months since i looked it up which i doubt because she's it's kind of her shtick I'm sure he says I have some. I will give you back. No, I, it's okay, Sherry. Thank you. I'm gonna. I have to get because I'm. I use um, I use it to make deodorant. Okay, I need to get through this. This past week, we're having a conversation. Leah did a phenomenal video, aren't we, Sherry? Tell them about it. On the porch. Which one did I do? 
Which one was I talking about? Okay, I'll tell you about mine. Okay. So my video that I did this week was about real love. God's yeah. love. Agape yeah. love. Yeah, it's so good. Real love. Had amazing <laughs> feedback about that. Okay. That's yeah, awesome. That that video has had a lot of feedback. If you want to understand men, women, and real love, mm -hmm. go and watch that video. Patriot Gallery did a video just last night um, that she thought that she lost but didn't, and I already listened to it today. It was so good. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas thread. Um, it was, she's got a lot in there, including from Christine Vales, or Vallis, however you say her last name. Mm -hmm. She goes over the Hebrew books. Oh my gosh, yes, it was so good. And then she confirmed everything we have been saying. That's what I was, Leah had been coming into Patriot Gallery's room all day yesterday saying this, 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 this. And then Patriot Gallery watches Christine Vallis and it's like a complete straight up confirmation oh, for everything baby. that Leah was saying. So go and watch that, check it out. I'm sure she'll have an edited version up soon, but the live is there now. You can go and watch it. So a lot going on. And Scott Kesterson had on Pastor Devonese and Apostle Greg, premiering live tonight so while you were here watching our awesome show he was doing so that will be uploaded soon um he usually uploads those late at night mm -hmm. um so look for that i don't know if he played the whole thing or just the first half but last wednesday if you missed revelation red pill episode 38 with devin east and greg oh my gosh that the feedback that we've had from that has also been off the hook. It's one of those episodes you need to watch again and again and again. You will just feel the power of God. Yeah. Share it with everybody that you can. Mm -hmm. It is going to encourage you. It is going to lift you up. I haven't yeah. listened to the one of um, with Scott clearly because he just aired it tonight. Mm -hmm. But he said that it was on fire. That he and um, Greg were just totally in sync and the fire of God was there. So you guys have a lot to listen to. And of course, don't forget your homework. You get to read the book of Revelation through... In, I, you don't have to do it in one setting. Okay, that's that's kind of pushing it, Bruce. But maybe over like three days. Just okay. read it and get through it and report back to us next week. Okay. All right. We'll see you we next you time right here from resistancechicks.com. Thank you for staying with us in spite of all of I the know, crashing. And just say a prayer for me. I would receive that prayer tomorrow. All right. Bye, guys. God bless. i uh -huh.